Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Please consider supporting Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. You can learn more about them at bwunited.ca. They are always looking for donations and volunteers. So please, again, support Black Women United, YEG, for the protection and advancement of black women and girls in Alberta. Again, that website is bwunited.ca. Hey, this is Trevor from Halifax calling in to say that I support creative control on Patreon because I think long-form arts journalism is a crucial part of music culture and there's simply not enough of it out there today. Vish is a master interviewer, he lands great guests, and he has his finger on the pulse of the ever-changing music landscape both here in Canada and abroad. For all of these reasons and many more, I think you should support creative control on Patreon too. To make your flexible monthly donation to Creative Control, please visit patreon.com slash creative control today. I'm Visha's wife, and I will love him no matter what you do. And now he has me on the record saying that. Jay Ferguson, Andrew Scott, Patrick Pentland, and Chris Murphy are highly talented songwriters, singers, and multi-instrumentalists who each currently call Toronto, Ontario home. Originally and proudly from Halifax, Nova Scotia, the four men formed the rock band Sloan in 1991, inspiring generations of musicians and bands to not only write really cool songs and, and not rely on just one lead singer and songwriter, but also to foster community building and persist with collective endeavors against any and all odds. On October 21st, 2022, Sloan's wonderful 13th album will be jointly released by Yep Rock Records in the United States of America and Universal Music in Canada and beyond. It's called Steady and prompted me to do something rather unusual for this podcast and that I separately spoke with each individual member of the band about the songs they respectively wrote and commandeered for this album. As such, Jay, Andrew, Patrick, and Chris each discuss the origins and inspiration behind their respective songs, how making an album during a distanced pandemic wasn't too much of a strain on Sloan's usual way of doing things, 
how Steady is informed by their long history together as collaborators, future plans, and much more. A part of the Entertainment One Network with the support of listeners like you who follow and subscribe to this podcast and spread the word about it and make flexible monthly donations at patreon.com slash creative control where you can get exclusive content and episodes early and all sorts of things. With additional support from Blackbird Music, a well-stocked record store with locations in Edmonton and Calgary, Alberta, and friendly staff who will happily fulfill any of your musical desires. Say you want to order the album Steady by Sloan. Head over to blackbird.ca and they will help you. You can get the record that way. Plus in-kind support from Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf and Planet Bean Coffee in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario. This is Super Deluxe Episode 725 of Creative Control, featuring the lovely and talented Jay Ferguson, Andrew Scott, Patrick Pentland, and Chris Murphy from Sloan, with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, Jay. How's it going? Hey, Vish. Good to see you and hear you simultaneously. Yes, it's nice. Remotely, we can still yeah. interact as though we were in the same room. What What are the odds? What What modern know, technology? This is, this is brand new, right? This is, <laughs> I invented this for us today. I thought I'm it would be really? fun. You should I, be... Oh, okay. But you're still doing a podcast, but you've invented this amazing technology. We have to be multifaceted in our entrepreneurial okay. skills these days. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I, I appreciate that. <laughs> it's lovely to see you and have you back on the show. So uh, the, the occasion is momentous. I want to tell you off the top, myself, my family, love the new Sloan album, Steady. Congratulations on that, first of all. Nice. I'm glad to hear that. You know, it's hard when you make a record and you sort of you get it mastered and then it's going off to manufacturing. You just sort of, you sort of can feel either confident or worried about certain songs like, oh, I wish I changed that. So anyhow, it's nice to hear you say that as a music fan. So um, at, as a, it's pleasing. Yeah, thank you. Thank I, there, you there's not a clunker on the yeah. thing, if I might say. You know, sometimes oh, when we're fans of bands, <laughs> you're like, well, the first, the side, first side A is great, but B kind of way, and then it comes back. Uh, this is great. Just airtight, if I, if I may say. Uh, the right. exercise today, the interaction today, is to actually speak to you about what I perceive to be the songs that you have a lead role in, uh, based mm-hmm. on uh, what I think are your lyrical uh, idiosyncrasies, but also the fact <laughs> that you tend to sing lead uh, unless Chris yes. joins you or somebody like that. So uh, right. for these purposes, I want to identify the songs that I think you're responsible for, so to speak, and those would be... Oh, good. Those would be... She- is this, like a, this is like a game. Almost. Well, I don't mean it to be. I just, I'm trying to clarify. You probably know by now. Well, I don't actually. I, well, you oh. know how it goes. Some bands are like, actually, the drummer wrote that. And, I, and we're like, oh, well, it just sounds like, no, I'm sorry. I had nothing that day, and the drummer came through with these <laughs> great words. Anyway, let's get to this. Here's what I think you're responsible for. Uh, okay. She put up with what she put down, dream it all yes. over again, keep your name alive. And that's where I've stopped. Is that about right for primary ownership? That's that's correct. Those are my three songs on the, on the new Sloan record. Okay, yeah. perfect. So before we get to, right. the, uh, to them in some specificity... Uh, as you might imagine, I talk, I've talked to a lot of people during this uh, pandemic, isolation, lockdown thing. Uh, they've had to yep. adapt how they do things together or with their collaborators. Uh, from your mm-hmm. perspective, did Sloan have to collaborate on Steady much differently than you have been on other recent records? 
I almost feel like our band was built for the pandemic in a, in a way, because we sort of, the way we make records or the way we have made records traditionally, uh, I think even, you know, since back around the time of one chord to another, you know, uh, Andrew was living in Toronto and three of us were living in Halifax. And then by the time Navy Blues came around, three of us were in Toronto, Patrick was in Halifax and coming back and forth. Now, on some of those records, maybe we would have played instruments together, but as time has gone on since everybody in our band uh, sings and writes and is capable of playing different instruments. We often don't get together, you know, here's a new song and we are, we're all in the studio and we jam it out or jam it out in our practice space. We're not really a jamming kind of band. It's almost like everybody usually makes their own demos and that's a pretty much like a 60 to 70% blueprint of the way, the way it may go. Uh, I feel for me personally, I would probably collaborate the most with Chris, like for, his bass ideas or, uh, you know, vocal harmony ideas. And uh, Gregory, who uh, plays with us live, the great Gregory McDonald, always comes in with some interesting harmony ideas. Um, but for the most part, you know, when we're getting together under normal circumstances, sometimes it's only a couple of us in the studio. So during the pandemic, we couldn't, we, you know, we couldn't all get together, but that's fine because we never all get together. Yeah, you yeah know, exactly. Making, yeah. A, making a record. So it was, it, 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 it was a little bit different because there were stretches of time where it was like, okay, nobody can go to our, our studio was run by a guy named uh, Ryan Haslett and he moved everything to his basement. Mm. So it's more tighter quarters. So, and he's living with his own, you know, he's got a couple of kids at home. And so when uh, tighter lockdowns happened during the pandemic, you know, he didn't want to get together with anybody and that made sense. So yeah. there were, you know, that was the main difference, just long stretches of like, hey, we recorded the drums and the uh, bass and some, okay, now we have to stop for a month and a half. Right. And then start it again. So there was, it didn't really feel like a lot of momentum, but uh, but as far as the actual piecing together of the songs and producing the record, uh, to me, it didn't really feel that different than uh, than other albums. I appreciate that you've invoked one chord to another in a couple of phone calls I've had with Chris. As we're as you and I are mm-hmm. speaking, Jay, I haven't uh, engaged Chris in this particular exercise, but we've had a few phone yeah. calls, and I said right away, "This reminds me of one chord to another." Not you know the fact that the drums are all recorded on four track, as yeah. as they were on one chord to another, and the fact that Andrew. At that time, for that record, was in uh, Halifax. No, was he in Halifax? No, he was, he was in Toronto. He was in Toronto, and you guys were right. all in Halifax. So there had to be some yeah. separation of how things were done. But the four-track drums was the real bell ringer for me. I'm like, oh, this the drums sound a particular way. And then as the record mm-hmm. moves for me, I can't help but draw it a connection to one chord structurally. Even Chris uh, has a song. Uh, that reminds me a little bit of uh, autobiography on the new record. I mean, he's got a song called okay. uh, "What's It Called?" Human Nature. He doesn't do puns. Okay. Yeah, I think on a phone call I told him I thought he did a bunch of puns, but if I think back on that song, he does like half rhymes, like lather and ladder, and just kind. They're kind of That's punny right. rhymes. And there's just punish all, rhymes. Yeah, yes. punish. They're punishing yeah. rhymes. <laughs> punishing <laughs> rhymes. That's the Chris Murphy story. <laughs> but I think I hear that on that song. He does a lot of like interesting rhyme structure, and it reminds me of that song. Anyway, sorry, my theory. That's my favorite song on. And sorry to interrupt. Yeah. That's my favorite song on the record. Is human nature. Yeah, I love it. But yeah. I sorry. Mm-hmm. I will say in my formal and informal conversations with your bandmates, and we'll get to this, I think, in greater detail as we go through your songs. Everyone's shining a light on you, Jay. I think everyone, and myself included, thinks these are some of your greatest songs yet. And really that you've ramped up, or I don't know if ramped up is the right word, but I feel, 
I think Patrick does his thing with the singles, like the catchy things. Chris is doing mm-hmm. all his stuff with the cl- clever wordplay, but I don't know. We'll get to it when we get to your songs. I just, I want to tell you and commend you on behalf of myself and your bandmates that I've spoken with. <laughs> you knocked it out of the park. These these songs of yours are oh, really good. fantastic. So I don't mean to over... Oh, that's nice of you oh, to of say. Of course. I don't mean to over flatter you, but it's yeah. just, it's really wonderful. Just to not leave oh, the pandemic okay. alone completely, I was mm. talking about the context and how I've talked to bands and how they've worked. The other thing I've heard uh, in their output is a reflection of the time. Uh, that time of isolation, lockdown, missing things. I hear bits of that certainly in Patrick's songs here. I hear, like, I hear yes. the time, I, I, the current contemporary time. I don't know. Yeah. I feel that about your particular songs here yeah. uh, as much. Uh, I wonder yep. before we get into each of them, do you have an overall sense of where these songs sort of came from, when they came from, if these are all of the time or did you go back into your archives that sort of thing and within that like do you feel like they speak to anything contemporary or did you purposely try to go for something a bit timeless uh vish i live in a bubble uh <laughs> so i don't know what's going on i just there's like a pandemic there's a pandemic we're in a pandemic jay i want to tell you that yeah, there's okay. a pandemic yeah yeah i, I and... heard vaguely there's a <laughs> yeah no sorry no and also I, I i i don't think my songs are really of this time specifically nor do they reflect on it really i would say i was also going to say andrews definitely do uh there's some of course. moments in yes I'm wearing my mask you know what i mean and all that close encounters in particular close encounters yes. is all about wi-fi bars and gasoline in our cars and that kind of thing yeah sorry i'm sure yeah paraphrasing from memory but i believe that's correct yeah I think that's I think that's right yeah. as well, and we should be inviting you to our rehearsals. <laughs> be like, no, the lyric is this. Uh, that'd be it'd be handy, uh, or we'll just have you on Zoom. I'll be on Zoom. Hey, uh, no, you got that wrong. Sorry, <laughs> wrong. Oh shoot, that is the wrong word. Uh, yeah, so I would say those are contemporary, and and I and I would understand that from from Patrick, and uh, I guess I'd have to really analyze Chris's if they are, and Chris will tell you. But for me personally, no, I don't. I don't. I, I don't know if I write. I mean, I I can write about myself in the moment, but I don't really feel like my writing reflects the times. You know yeah. what I mean? I don't think someone would hear my song and think, "Oh yeah, that's like." Do they know it's Christmas? I know when that happened. That was like, you know what I mean? It's not like <laughs> right. Yes, you know, I appreciate it's, it's not that. like of a moment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Or I'm trying to think of something more. Whatever. No, that's Ohio by Neil Young. But yeah. um. It's funny that you said that the one thing I was going to say as well about your mentioning about how it reminds you of one chord to another. When I wrote the song, uh, she put up with what she put down. I was trying to write something that was almost didn't have a real chorus in the way that the lines you mend didn't yes. have a real chorus yeah. in the way that it had and a similar feel, which there's no uh, double tracked guitars. It's got like a single tracked electric and a single tracked acoustic. And I was trying to make it sound very thin and almost uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival style, yep. a little bit. And uh, and to me, that was a little bit of the template of the lines you meant. So it's it's interesting that you uh, felt that parallel with the album, because that was actually kind of what I was thinking for well, that song, go. anyhow, in yeah. particular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, uh, like I say, I'm a huge, that record, when it came out in uh, 1996, I think. Six? Yeah, yep, you got it. Yeah, yeah really, obviously, I think, Jay, you know this for those listening, like those... Uh, those that era of Sloan was particularly significant for me because I was in a formative part of my life. And mm-hmm. when you're in a formative part of your life, whatever you're processing is in your heart forever kind of thing, you know, whether you even yeah, if you're like, yeah, definitely. I don't really like uh, you too anymore. 
but at the same time, you're like, ah, but Unforgettable Fire, that hit me at the right time, and I can't, I know all the words to that. You know what I mean? But I'm not saying that you For guys, sure. I'm not saying Sloan is like you two to me. I'm just saying. I, I would take that as a compliment. <laughs> I, I was listening to the Unforgettable Fire literally two weeks ago. Yeah, it's yeah. good. I, I sometimes yeah. pop those things on, too, just to, or sometimes, uh, the other thing that recently was In Excess. I kind of forgot mm-hmm. How like you know there was this kind of clone thing at the time where a bunch of those bands kind of seemed to be riffing on each other a little bit and uh, okay I don't know but anyway I liked those in excess records too at the time and so I put one of them on I don't remember if it was listening to like Thieves or Kick but I just like wow wow anyway like there's something about that time and the production and sure anyway sorry this is a real digression let's go <laughs> through 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 your songs <laughs> a little bit in the sequence that they appear on uh, Steady I have some thoughts about them. But I want to ask you if you can talk a little bit about the inspiration behind uh, She Put Up with What She Put Down. Can you begin Mm -hmm. uh, and and talk about what might have inspired this song? I guess I would say it's a little bit from reading. There's a couple of journalists who used to write about music back in the late 70s, and they put some of their thoughts into a book that came out in the late 70s. And the writing was so... It was it was kind of mean, but so funny and and but so literate and so intelligent, but still kind of just snarky. But it was hilarious, and I laugh would laugh out loud uh, reading about it. And and one of the writers was a woman, and it and it just made me think like, here's a person who should be writing great books or whatever, and you know they're reviewing records. Or, you know, writing, you know, about a band maybe they don't care about or something like that. That's a little bit of in my imagination. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And then I sort of thought, oh, maybe there's someone who is like a ghostwriter for other people. It was all about someone who's basically, I just, that was just the germ of the idea. And then I started, it, it, it's all about someone who is more talented probably than the person <laughs> that she's either working for or writing, writing, writing about. You right. Know? Yeah. And so it's just this person is a ghostwriter, but you know, they should be uh, doing their own thing and getting their own recognition. So that's, that's basically just sort of what the song is about. I just started thinking about it and then ended up writing these verses about it. It's again, has nothing to do with the pandemic at all, but it was just, it was just a, a topic for me that spurred some lyrical ideas. Yeah, it's a fantastic uh, notion that you you struck upon there to talk about this. The the, the really, uh, I will say on a on a song level, uh, really tremendously great and creative vocals. I always love your phrasing, but in this case, you did some really fun things with uh, words that uh, I, I draw people's attention to as they press play on this song. I, I actually pulled, um, I think, in a, in line with what you were just discussing. I grabbed a bit of a quote, or rather, I've, I've got a, a part of the song here. I don't know what the hell I'm saying. I can't talk. Okay. <laughs> Here's a part of the song, the lyrics, I mean. A rolled magazine became part of her scene. She put up with what she put down, laying in bed yeah. now off the top of her head, knowing she could take him to town. Now, I appreciate that this uh, emanates from the 70s, but we're in an interesting time of the power of the critic. Uh, maybe we're on the other end of it, but certainly... Um, you know, publications, and I won't name them all, but some of them have a lot more sway, it seems to me, than they used to. So I feel like you're getting into the power. And I appreciate that this is sort of uh, called from what you viewed uh, in a funny and wry way. There's something about power dynamics there, too, isn't it? She's more talented than maybe what she's covering, but also, like, recognizes it. Like, I have the power to make or break people. I think we've seen a lot of bands and artists deal with that. Holy shit, I got slagged and blah, blah, blah. Now I'm fucked. You know, like, mm-hmm. I can't, what are we going to do? You know, like, it creates a panic. Were you talking about that a little bit, you think? 
No, I wasn't. I didn't even really think about the person in the song sort of recognizing it. I think they just knew it. Hmm. But it wasn't really about anything current or whatever. It's interesting that you say that because I guess it's... I don't know if journalism or music journalism or film journal or, or, or journalism about entertainment really has the sway, you know, as far as trying to make or break a piece of art, like whether it's a book or a record or anything like that, just because everything is so free. You know, back you, when you and I were growing up, yeah. you know, you'd probably read Rolling Stone and there'd be a new album that's coming out and you'd read a review of it yeah. and you, that might make you... And I love it. I love, by the way, I love rock journalism and I love yeah, the history yeah, of it yeah. and everything like that. Yeah. You know, I'm into it. So if I was growing up and I would buy Cream Magazine or Rolling Stone or whatever and I would read a review of, wow, a new album like by Peter Wolf. I remember buying <laughs> the Peter Wolf solo album thing and they gave it such a great review that I went out and bought it. And that was the only way I could hear it for myself. Yeah. I didn't think it was as good as they reviewed. But, but today, I almost don't know what the purpose is of reviewing records because anybody can just go and be like, oh, I'll just listen to it and judge for myself. I, I can understand a curatorial uh, aspect of journalism a little bit, but I think right now where everything is free, I don't know what the uh, the, the journalistic thing makes. I know you were speaking more about the power of uh, journalism to make or break a career by writing something that, that or, or, or spread something. Yeah, positive. That, uh, yeah. Could have a positive or negative yeah. that could have an impact on someone's yeah. career, whether it's about the music or not. But to me, that's that's less about journalism and just more about the way media is devoured, uh, plus including social media and everything like that as well. It's a good point, and I agree with you by and large. I, I As you were speaking, I couldn't help but think of a, a band uh, called The Weather Station, who hail from Toronto, Yeah, put out a record about a year and a half ago. I feel I may have the chronology wrong. That Pitchfork site gives it like a best new music, whatever, 9 out of 10, something like that. Sure. Causes a cascade of coverage. So like no one had really, to the, that extent, Weather Station was on the ascent. Certainly Tams had been on this show a bunch of times, exclaim yeah. Canadian coverage. That like then, The Guardian, uh, uh, I don't know, all the big things like came out. Tour, touring just went from like, yeah, we're going to do like mo- good but modest touring to like, I can't even keep up with the schedule. All I'm getting at is there's a I certain see. power yeah. that these people have. Uh, and I appreciate what you're saying that maybe it doesn't have this way, but I've seen in the last 15 years at least like a, a best new music or five star mm-hmm. review causes every other media company to be like, ah. We should probably get in on this. Uh, that's a, you know, that's a good point, Visha. I hadn't yeah. considered that, and I, th- I yeah. think that does make sense. It just sort of starts a little bit of a domino effect that might not have uh, yeah. might not have occurred before. And I guess, uh, yeah, I hadn't thought of that. That that does make sense. And I think that that's probably uh, the the influence of of not many portals for music yeah. journalism, but that that does make sense. And and definitely, you can take that all the way back to. Broken social scene, getting their review for the you know the you, LP you, sort of you you forgot it in people right yeah. exactly and arcade and then all of a sudden all this, yeah. that's right and then Polygram saw them play at South by Southwest and blah 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 and it turned into basically yeah. igniting their career yeah so no that's that's a good point too for sure again for those listening this is not really part of this really fun sunny song <laughs> I'm just doing an English essay on the steady I guess or a book I don't no, know I what am I'm, writing I am taking notes by <laughs> the way. good there will be a quiz after we're done here let's go on to dream it all over again i did have a question here because of you and chris murphy have a tendency to not only uh harmonize you do back and forths 
Uh, I know Chris has been responsible for like tags on some of Patrick's songs, like just coming mm. up with bridges or whatever else or lyrical ideas. Is this a co-write or did you come up with the lyrics and the, the structure of the song? So this this song is actually, I know you're speaking, you asked earlier about like songs that, you know, have been around. Was this written during the pandemic? This song was has been around since about 2015. Mm-hmm as a demo and then it was recorded for our last album 12 but i couldn't finish the words and i was working on them for like six weeks and i was like Give me, oh, this i was just so frustrated i was basically angry yeah. like it was done and just the singing i had little bits and pieces anyhow and i threw it in the garbage and then recorded another song called the lion's share which is a song that i that i like yeah and you know recorded that in two days and put that on the album uh but chris was very encouraging about this song and chris did a uh i would say there's no real co-write in here chris did have the idea originally when i brought this song in as a demo the part that's the chorus was originally just the bridge mm. and the little guitar figure that's in the song the da 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 that was the melody for the chorus mm. chris was like take that bridge make it the chorus and that's that's my favorite part of the song so i think that really his idea for rearrangement you know spurred me on further to finish the song and and also so we had done that arrangement for 12 but i was just stuck lyrically and then i i feel like i barely finished the song this time like i think the lyrics are fine but uh i'm happy with the way it turned out uh musically it's very thin and also it was another opportunity to do a duet and i like that in bands like if you're going to be a band why not have duets? Like I love, you know, the way, uh, you know, basically the prime example is like we can work it out by the Beatles. Yeah. Like I love that kind of, you know, back and forth. Uh, it, I mean, the song was primarily written by me. Chris had a couple little suggestions, but I appreciate the the duet style that we've done before, even on, you know, Hate My Generation and things like that as well. I, think I will say I think that nice uh, yeah. beyond one chord to another being uh, something of a, 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 a a lodestar, if you will, for Steady. I, I got a lot of rubber soul more than I usually hear in the band. Does that make um, sense? For me, that was another touch point in recording my songs on this this record, yeah. keeping keeping things... When you're recording in the studio, sometimes it's like you record one guitar. It was like, oh, maybe I should double it so it'll sound thicker. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll triple it and put it over. Okay, do another guitar. Oh, let's double that. And then you just end up with so many tracks. I was trying to purposefully, on uh, my songs, keep everything... Maybe there's a couple things here double tracked, but you know, in Dream It All Over Again, the main guitar is just one guitar in one ear. You know, like yeah. I tried to keep it as thin and just emphasize the sound and the tone of the individual thing. And uh, yeah. that's a little bit of like rubber soul as well. You know what I mean? Things are hard panned in certain ears yep. and and uh, not a lot of double tracking. You know, so well, I, it's not just your songs though. I hear it in a couple of Chris's songs too. Oh, uh, good, uh, good, okay. Like I, I hear more of a rubber, like uh, I Dream of Sleep um, yeah, musically so, kind of yeah. reminds me of that too. So, and again, yeah. Chris is not here. I'll talk to Chris about uh, his <laughs> actual songs. Sorry, I appreciate the uh, kind of process-oriented uh, explanation. Where do you mm. suppose this, conceptually, where to Dream It All Over again kind of come from for you? It's a hodgepodge of a bunch of different lyrics and just <laughs> glue them together. It's like, good, we're done. Now we can master the record. It um, seems, I appreciate you being down on it just because I, I appreciate your modesty. Not I don't agree with you. I think they're really, it's really great. I really love the chorus. I love yeah. the singing again. Uh, it seems a bit meta. There's actually a break. Uh, hang on, I'm yeah. going to read I'm gonna read you something. Uh, where okay. did I, should I? 
Well, you can the, if you like, the yeah. whole chorus is sorry. I know this is a, this can be the source of some self consciousness to have Not someone read their good. poetry back to them. I'm, I'm uh, into it actually. <laughs> so again, can you invite the, some more people into the room. Actually? I can. Yeah, go. this is being yeah. live streamed. Uh, I will say I'll draw attention <laughs> to this. Light a candle, make a wish. Don't blow it out. It might come true. Maybe leaving everything you love is not easy. In fact, I'd rather choose to dream it all over again with you. Inherently romantic. I really love that chorus. Like, sorry, it's one of the ones that mm-hmm. get in uh, my head. But where the, the the meta stuff comes from for me is uh, when they call your name out, what you're going to do when they call your name out. If you wait a while, then we'll be back in style. But if you lose your thread and then you, that's you, you stop. There's a break. Chris goes, and I think this is very clever and witty. We're never hard to find. Mm-hmm. To me, this is Glass Onion meta. Like, uh, I went, like, is this kind of about Sloan? Is this about Sloan's stature or a band stature of we've been around a long time, so you ebb and flow in the sort of consciousness yeah. of, is that where you were coming from, maybe? I think so. I yeah. think so. Sometimes when I'm at a loss, like, I start writing about our band a little bit, and I do <laughs> think the chorus does have to do with your band. And uh, I do think if you wait a while, we'll be back in style is you know about 30 years of sloan like we've gone in and out of favor yes a number of times you know we would make smeared and it was like canada's grunge or you know what i mean shoegaze canada and then we make twice removed which people liked but sort of you know whatever blah 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 was not as popular as uh smeared and maybe we were going to end and then we came back with one chord to another and i feel like the predominant you know big you know, music rock trend would have been like Britpop, and we almost got roped in with like, wow, Canada's Beatles, you know what I mean? Whereas it was like Canada's Oasis or whatever, you know, right. where Oasis were being so referential about the Beatles. And then, you know, in the early 2000s, you know, we were touring with The Strokes, and I almost felt like some of our records were being, you know, promoted along, along, along the same lines as uh, the White Stripes and Strokes and the return of rock. Yeah, you know the I mean? rock After renaissance. The late 90s. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, yeah. I just feel like, you know, we've definitely gone in and out of trends and favors, and, and I find that line is sort of about that. So, And also that line, Chris singing, we're never hard to find, it's just like, I, c- I couldn't sing it that high, so Chris had to sing it. Well, and the song is a duet anyhow, so it made sense, for sure. It has what I will say is a playfully pointed emphasis. I can't think of anyone but Chris Murphy singing that after hearing <laughs> your voice. Like, it's really, for what it's worth, I thought it was very thoughtful and clever to have that happen when it did, because I think... Cool. Those kinds of thoughts. I know, having known Chris a long time, having talked to Chris a long time, I think he gets a little meta and is very self-aware mm-hmm. about perception and all those sorts of things. So, uh, sorry, as a fan with a history with the band, well done. Uh, I, I think cool. it works on so many levels. Okay, oh, I'm glad. Thanks. Yeah, no, of course. Now we move on to what I believe again is the. Well, I'll ask you about your contributions to other people's work. Uh, when we're done, but we're on to the last song that I believe you have a, the heaviest hand in. It's called Keep Your Name Alive. And mm-hmm. I, again, another, and I believe this ends the record, maybe? It does. It does. Yep. Yeah, really lovely. Yep. Sorry, I'm calling upon my memory. Uh, what That's can cute. you tell us about uh, the influence of this song? What inspired this song? Uh, I don't know. Is it Again, it's a song that's sort of been kicking around for a couple of years, and... Uh, I just thought it was kind of, I thought I liked the chorus. I thought it was kind of catchy. I had, once again, I had tons of different lyrics for it. And a little, and, and I um, I forget, we did we did a little press release thing. I wish I had it here because I, I had a goofy quote about it. Oh. I thought it was like, oh, I called it Homeward Bound in Reverse, basically. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Paul Simon song. <laughs> yes, of course. Uh, it's just, it's, 
Yeah, so it's a little bit about. Uh, uh, I need the lyrics. I kind of don't even know what. So it's here's about. a. It's, here's, it's, let me read it's, you. It's, can I read you something? It's a little bit about leaving. Sure, you can. It's a bit about leaving home and missing home and and you know questioning if you did the right thing and not that I really question and that much uh or even question leaving Halifax or anything like that but yeah. it, but those are just some of the reflections on that and and just to keep you know keeping your name alive could be a Sloan reference as well I think it it has it, it serves a dual purpose as well I think I'm going to paste the lyrics in the chat of this application we're using for you so you have the uh, can you see that did it work maybe oh it's gosh, too long really I can do it I view. think ooh show chat yeah, is it not working? I hit enter. Uh, okay, maybe it's not oh, working. Maybe t- try one more time. Hang on. Oh, there we go. Oh, yeah, there we go. Okay, uh, I cannot lie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to read this like Please don't poetry. sing the song. Well, you can. That would be a nice treat for everyone involved. I uh, wanted that to ask... That would not be a nice treat. <laughs> uh, I, it, it's fascinating to me that you are going back to uh, Sloan leaving uh, Halifax. I feel like that's a recurring narrative, uh, a scar, if you will... Uh, that the band has never really let go of the notion that you left because I think people leaving and loyalty and all that stuff is some sort of Nova Scotia thing that I don't like Plaskett, Joel Plaskett famously ensconced proudly there. And you guys, I think, have often wrestled with even like you've been in Toronto since 1996, five, whatever it's been most of you. So I I think that's a thing. But what I wanted to say about it in this particular instance is when I read the line... Uh, do you have to leave your home to keep your name alive? Sorry, this felt contemporary because a lot of us don't mm-hmm. leave our homes as much as we used to and are mm-hmm. still able to send things out into the world using these machines. Yeah. So that's yeah. a one where I'm like, oh, huh, maybe that's a... Do you have to leave your home to keep your name alive? I mean, how many of us... I'm sure I'm not the only one who's like, I barely... I go get groceries, I go to the odd thing, but really I'm home more than I've ever been. Does that resonate with you? Yeah. Uh, it does now because I never thought about that in the first place. <laughs> yeah. So let's just say <laughs> that yes, I thought of that. No, but then in the last in the last chorus, uh, I do say you don't have to leave your home that's, to keep your name alive. That's right. So there's a little bit of a resolution in, in there. Yeah. And I was mostly. I know you're talking about Sloan leaving Halifax. I was mostly speaking personally, but I do think I do often think back to like I'm proud of. I mean, whatever Joel doesn't need someone to be proud of him, but I I like the fact that he stayed yeah. and he built. You know, he he built his career from there. I feel like at least we had we stayed there for three albums. Like we didn't move till to Toronto until you know by the time we were working on Navy Blues, to be honest. And we all moved one by one for personal reasons. Yes. Uh, and so I am proud that we were able to get signed to Geffen and then leave Geffen and then make our own record and build Murder Records all from that time. So it's it wasn't like we moved to Toronto for business decisions, which a lot of bands before us did yeah. or had to do. Yeah. And and I, I feel for them because it would have been nice if they had stayed. We left individually for our own personal reasons. But, you know, once you've been away for a long time, you're sort of thinking, oh, you know, you know, you go back to Halifax, like, oh, it's so nice. Like, it's, yeah. I, I love it. You know, I do. I, I miss it. I miss the ocean. And I, even though Halifax has changed so much, sometimes what I want is I want to go back and it's Halifax 1985, yeah. if you know what I yeah. mean. But then you realize, oh, that's not there. Yeah. But uh, whatever. I can't complain about anything. Uh, I've led a very Cinderella life in general. But, um, you know, I can't help but think about it sometimes. And I, and, and you're right. I do think about Joel and, and I'm, I'm pleased that he's sort of done it his way and stayed there and made an excellent career out of it. And, uh, yeah. 
you know, uh, doing doing what he wants to do, how he wants to do it, and and he remained there. And you know, it comes here and plays Massey Hall. It's not like he's coming here and playing, you know, the Rivoli or something. He's he's made it and will continue to do so. You know, it's great for sure. No, it is, and I uh, I just want to say it's another. I love the song as well. I will tell you, uh, you were you've alluded a few times to thinness and panning and sort of just thinking about the uh, sonic mm. qualities of a song. Uh, I believe this one in particular, Keep Your Name Alive, really takes me back to 70s Stones. Uh, almost like Keith, it, for some reason, it reminds me of a few different Keith songs on Stones albums, like Some Girls or Tattoo okay. You. Like in my okay. head, it started, because it starts with just guitar, yeah. rhythm guitar, and, and then the drums come in, yep. as I recall. And that yep. to me. I don't know. It just puts me in the frame of mind of like little TNA or something like that, like some sort of <laughs> Keith song. Uh, was, sure. would, you, would you say those are important? Uh, is that an important era for you in terms of the Stones? Or for sure, I, lo- yeah. I mean, I like generally all eras. I can go up and down, but yeah, like uh, some girls, emotional rescue, uh, yes. tattoo you is an era that I love. Like I yeah. do like those songs. I love the sound. Those are thin sounding records yes. too. Like the guitar yeah. is not loud. It's very small, but very distinct and yeah. and I love that that character but I wasn't really thinking of of that sort of stuff when I was making it making this but maybe in the back of my mind it was always there it was almost a little bit when I was recording it almost like um I'm a big fan of Dave Edmonds Nick Lowe and Rock yep. Pile yep. and to me that's almost that sort of riff was where I was coming from uh, a little bit even though the riff just sort of arrived without trying to write something it just sort of came to me while playing the guitar one day yeah. but um you know, maybe that's a little bit of uh, the way I was imagining the song. But I appreciate your uh, reference, and I'll take that because I think that's a cool reference. <laughs> Probably cooler than Rockpile. But I want to correct myself. That. I appreciate that. I want to correct myself because now that I'm saying it out loud, isn't Tattoo You 81? It's not quite it the 70s. Yeah, sorry that's about right. that. Yeah. I just, but, but, you know, those songs were all left over. Most of them were left over from the 70s. That's so right. Very, very much a 70s record. Yeah, that whole era is a bit of a hodgepodge of, of, yeah. of song, revisiting songs. So yeah. I check myself but don't i'm not going to beat myself up over that but it does i appreciate we'll talk you, after this is over yeah, we'll yeah i know i'm kidding. failing i'm failing the quiz now i feel bad i'm gonna not no, do well I, I hear you i love that era <laughs> I, I do i think it's those are wonderful records like they sound yeah. they sound great and uh whatever i'll take that i'll take that good uh, good and i'm I, I i don't mean to say that it's derivative i just mean i know you're a fan heck one of the last times second third last times i saw sloan was uh Playing with the Stones uh, on like a side stage when the Stones played at oh uh, at the uh, Burl Live Burl, whatever the Burl Street, I said yeah, Burl, Burl, Burl Street, I said Burl Lives yeah. <laughs> yeah. yes they played Sorry. on uh, they were a playing landscape at the, that looked like Burl Lives they're yeah. playing at Burgess Meredith Fair That's I think right. is yeah something like that yeah sorry yeah. about that anyway uh, the, yeah so the, I know there's a Stones thing anyway a little bit there I so. love them I still do like I listen to them very regularly and I'm yeah. very excited that we got. After we like that would have been our fourth time sharing yeah. a bill with them, and each time, like at the moment I hear about it, it's just so exciting. That must be I'm exciting, lucky. yeah. Now, yeah, okay, I appreciate us going through your songs. Are there any highlights for you in terms of songs by others on Steady, or, or rather, I don't mean you to call anyone out particularly things you contributed to songs by others that you're particularly proud of, or you think of as like cool little highlights? I I, I contributed very little to. Mm-hmm anything else on the record I think <laughs> okay. I would be there when uh, you know mostly maybe when Chris is recording his guitars or if he's doing stuff and maybe I'll suggest a sound or you know yeah. he's or or he's mixing and maybe I'd say oh maybe that could come down a little bit but that's that's probably the most 
you know, I really contributed. I wasn't around for the recording of uh, Andrew or Patrick songs, but once again, that's not spectacular, spectacularly unusual yeah, or anything fair like enough. that. Fair enough. But I love, uh, I think the songs that I, that I was drawn to immediately were Human Nature by Chris. I think it's a great lyric and, and, uh, it's a nice piano song. And I Dream of Sleep to me was very rubber soul, like you were saying. And that, yeah. that's one of my other favorites. Even though it's, it feels like a small song on the record. It's just, you know, about one sort of subject and it's quick and, and everything. And it's, you know, minimal in a musical framework. But, uh, I think it's great. I think the lyrics are, I, I like it. And I like, uh, that's, those might be two of my favorite songs on the record. Um, that's nice to hear. I think, I think Chris is on a real role in Sloan and in his other projects. I think he's writing really, really cool, uh, songs. So I appreciate you saying that as well. I think so too. I, I Chris, I've always looked up to Chris as a songwriter. And I feel like when I, when Sloan started, you know, Chris was, and, and Patrick for sure. Uh, but, but you know, Chris was, the superior songwriter, I think, of all of us. And, uh, you know, my songs, I think, were definitely in, in, in fourth place. But I, even though there's some, you know, parts that I do like, but I, I feel like I've learned uh, about songwriting, you know, from listening to records and other bands, but mostly yeah. from watching Chris or listening to Chris or listening to what Chris has to say about songs, which is often like yeah. cut off, like get in, get out. Like you don't need that. Like, cut that part in half. And, you know, it, there's not a lot of... Uh, extra fat on Chris's songs that, you know, that like they're they're not very bloated with, you know, uh, an intro that's far too long or, you know, another chorus that's, that's needed. Although he's sort of often (laughs) magical thinking. The first song on the record is, is one of the longest on the record. And I think he's like, every time we played, he's like, ah, I should have cut this part out. I should have done that. (laughs) So it's funny to hear him say that, but, and magical thinking is great. I think that's going to be the most fun to play live. I think when when we get it together for sure. Yeah. Yeah, proto sort of proto rap style on Chris's part. I really yeah. uh I love Chris's work as well. So I appreciate yeah. uh hearing this from you. Okay, this was really fun for me. I appreciate you indulging in this uh exercise. It sounds to me based on your exclamations that you learned potentially either you learned a few things or you thought I better let this guy think uh he's on to something. Uh, just to be polite. And either way, I just want to say I appreciate the exchange. I, I just ha- want to say that. I have honestly learned so much today, Beach. <laughs> that's why I'm taking notes. I'm going to use, the, 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 gonna use yeah. whatever you say in other interviews as if I thought of it. So thank you for that. Okay. I never get credit. It's no fun being first. It's like, uh-huh. a, it's like if you were made twice removed and started a small musical revolution and no one gave you credit for it. They shit all over it at the time. <laughs> And then, like three years later, everyone's making a record like that. No one, you know, I know I relate to you right now. There you is go. what Punk I'm saying, Jay. Right. Yeah. <laughs> now, the tricky part uh, of uh, the show in this context is I like to go out on a song at the end of a conversation. Now, this okay. is a hodgepodge. It's not a hodgepodge. That's a disparaging. I got each of you on individually. So okay. at the end, I want to throw to one song. Uh, and uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do it based on the most votes. I'm going to mm-hmm. try that. So if any one of you picks the same song that's probably what we're going to hear okay all that being said if not it's a draw and i just got to flip a coin and play a song <laughs> uh when i uh i'll reveal the results when i get to the final interview which i haven't done yet jay if you could pick a song to go out on ultimately what would it be for from this album from, from steady. <laughs> specifically from steady and not tattoo you which came out <laughs> yeah, right, in the so. year 1981 no is all there right, something yeah. from steady that we can go out on 
Uh, right, so I can't choose Hang Fire from Tattoo <laughs> no. You. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to say uh, Human Nature. I think that's that's the one I would choose myself. Yeah, and I know I didn't. Sorry, and I realized I didn't. I didn't uh, mention you know Patrick or Andrew's contributions, which I enjoy, and I'm, I feel like the album does hang together very well. And I really like. Uh, uh, we've only just started practicing it, but I think. Um, Scratch the Surface by Patrick, but also uh, Spend the Day, I think it's going to be really fun to play Oh, it's a lovely song. And and, and I really like, uh, I I enjoy the sound of that one very much as well. And Andrew's contribution. So I I know I was focusing on the the two of Chris's, but uh, I just want to spread the appreciation around. But yes, if I chose one song, I think it would be um, Human Nature. Okay, so we'll see what happens at the end of this episode. And you might hear Human Nature. If not, the new album by Sloan will be out. Uh, and you can check it out. The whole thing's fantastic. Jay Ferguson, always a, a pleasure and an honor uh, to get to chat with you and spend any time with you. Thank you for indulging my bizarre master's thesis on the Sloan album, <laughs> Steady, and I wish you the best luck in the future. Thank you, Vish. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Human nature. Human nature. Hi, Andrew. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good, Vish. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for asking. I assume, I'm guessing, you're in Toronto, Ontario. Is that is that true? I am. I'm in this goddamn city called Toronto. <laughs> you don't sound happy. Just in the way you responded, I got a little... Well, just the mere mention of Toronto uh, reminds me that I live in this fucking broken uh, metropolis for yeah. for artless rich people. <laughs> uh contemplating a move are you andrew or Definitely, this is just 100 percent moving back east and i can't really wait. yeah when when is that happening um if you asked me that six months ago i would have said next three to five yeah. but it's looking increasingly much more like uh 18 months ish i see yeah okay. i mean there's a lot okay. of a lot of floating question marks to be addressed, but nothing is a uh, nothing's insurmountable, and it's all good. Okay, well, good for you. So I assume heading back to Halifax in particular, or well, ultimately that's not the goal, but it that'll be the the uh, the initial landing pad. Yeah. Wow, this is interesting to me because there's so many things going on in what you're just saying. I think aspects of this new Sloan album, Steady. Remind mm-hmm. me a little bit of one chord to another. Now, taking oh, us yeah. back, taking us back to that. Well, there's a couple of just obvious things like uh, the drums are all recorded on a four track, 
Well, that's yeah. different. Or rather, that's what happened with one chord. And mm-hmm. uh, the other thing that was going on uh, at the time, as I recall, is you weren't really around. You were in Toronto. Everyone else was in Halifax. Mm-hmm. Now, you're telling me uh, very shortly it's going to be the opposite. You're going to trailblaze your way back, and then maybe those guys, will f- they're not going to follow you, I don't think. But anyway, that that's yeah. weird. That's kind well, of odd. I mean, it's life, you know, It's and we've had we've all had a, a, a couple of years to really contemplate uh, A, B, C, or D. And, you know, it's not just me moving. It's my wife and, and potentially my my family. You know, my kids aren't kids anymore. They're grown up pretty yeah. much, uh, still living under our roof. And I love that, but they're not going to be here much longer. Mm. And, um, you know, my family, all of my family are out there. I have two sisters, a stepsister, a stepfather, and my mother. And I literally, I have not seen them until this past summer for over three years. And it's just like, you know, I've lived in Toronto for over 30 years and I've had a really great run here, but I'm not going to lie. I'm really tired of this city and I'm, I miss the ocean and I miss being close to my sisters and mother. Yeah. And none of us are getting any younger. Mm-hmm. And I would I would like to be able to access them more directly. All fair points. Uh, just to pinpoint a couple of things here. Well, what is it specifically about Toronto that is sticking in your craw these days? Oh, fuck. Where do you want me to begin? Should I start with my street? Yeah, go ahead. The never-ending sound of the concrete cutter in the fucking Home Depot gut job that's going on in the house that some old Portuguese guy bought for like 45,000 bucks probably 50 years ago and sold it for four and a half million bucks yeah. to some sucker yeah. who just like show up and they just fucking renovate to the hilt. Right. And all of the assholes with their pickup trucks and their fucking tools on the street that are taking up valuable parking spaces that uh, <laughs> residents can't access. We're only talking about a small section of my my actual street. Yeah. We can go way beyond that if you want. But It sounds like you, a lot like Edmonton, Alberta. Pickup trucks and yelling and noise. Uh, That's what it's like and here. assholes. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I didn't want to say that. I, I have to live here. No, I appreciate all those things, I, I and I appreciate how the specificity of your complaint. Uh, I've never... I liked visiting Toronto. Uh, I liked going back to Guelph when I could do that. Uh, I But now mm-hmm. I miss it. So now what I have found is you're not the only one contemplating uh, moves to uh, quieter, uh, more... Uh, I mean, this is for family reasons, too. It's, it doesn't sound like it's just the city wearing yeah. you down. You, you want to be closer to home home base your family so that's yeah yeah. and i mean and again this i mean i guess you could say this about any major city in the world but it's just like it's you need to be made of money to live here yeah yeah and we've been really lucky you know we bought a house uh 21 years ago and it's in downtown west end toronto and it's a a veritable gold mine yes but, you know, we didn't buy a house to flip and make money. We bought a fucking house to make a home in. And that's what we've done over the last 20 plus years. Yeah. And I, I, and I don't know your home, uh, but I will say for those listening around the world, because we do have people listening outside, of, certainly outside of Toronto and Canada, uh, what Andrew's describing, uh, and I'm just going to speculate, having not seen a one brick, one stone, but a house in downtown Toronto, almost no matter what the size, 
you're looking mm-hmm. it's a I'm not even gonna say it's a million dollar property it's probably a couple mil now they've, they've done, we could sell it today for a million and a half without even vacuum yeah exactly that there you go so that's what we're talking about so then you got your retirement savings plan or whatever the hell right there you move out east where the housing market I've talked to some people out there and uh, you know my sister even moved out there got a huge house for like 150 grand at the beginning of the pandemic because by the way not nefarious necessarily uh her Mm -hmm. and her partner her partner's family uh was out there so they didn't just say we're running for the hills because of this covid thing they they just they went for family reasons as well anyway but now i hear tell that same house would be like seven hundred thousand. so it's happening across this country where oh for sure and you know the other uh the other sort of well, not sort of. It's a, a, a definite silver lining in terms of our situation is we're not, we're not moving out there. We're not like, let's sell the house in Toronto and go buy a property in Nova Scotia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. We're talking about like kind of moving around the shuffleboard pieces of of, of interfamily um, property that's already existing. Right. If you know I what do. I mean. Yeah, I understand. It's not like you're going down there to knock down an old house and take your million Definitely million and a half not. dollars do some sort of infill job you're trying to be respectful god no yeah. no i appreciate that oh yeah I appreciate that now uh i don't want to get into anyone's business but in conducting uh, interviews with individual members of sloan you can't help it you can't help but learn things about uh people and the band that maybe you can't help but <laughs> can't help but stare at your watch in terms of like oh my god how much longer no, do i don't say that listen hey to listen to me assholes. don't now you're disrespecting me i come to you from a place of love and affection and a great uh admiration for this new batch of songs of yours uh well, andrew you know that. this this has gone a long time now this has gone a long time for me and it's not whatever this means a lot to me but my point is this uh i'm talking to everyone i learn different things does mm-hmm. the band know of your plans to move? Has yes. this come up? Okay, so oh, definitely. Does, okay, so does this yeah. concern anyone uh, about your role in the band? Oh, I'm sure it does. But I mean, you know, there's also uh, the, as much as we're a, a unit of four, call it five uh, people, we're also individuals with with separate lives and families and priorities and needs and wants and desires and blah blah blah. Yeah. So you know, I, and each and every one of us can only do what we've got to do. Yeah. And with regards to, well, how's the band going to work? It's like we'll figure it out. Well, it's an interesting point you raise, and we're raising together, I suppose, because this record in particular, uh, it raised some questions for me because I, as you may know, Andrew, I talked to lots of different musicians who I do uh, know colla- that. they collaborate with lots of different people, and the pandemic. Uh, obviously impacted uh, how often they could get together to practice, to work Mm -hmm. on things, to be in the studio at the same time. And as I think about Sloan and what I know about Sloan from knowing the band members and knowing your history, I feel like your band was pandemic ready in like 1996. Would you agree with that? Have you often been working somewhat separately uh, for uh, for a long time? Yeah. Yeah, it didn't. uh, The pandemic, you know... With all the the death and suffering it it brought, it was also a real gift mm-hmm. to a lot of people in in a lot of different ways. For me, it was a huge gift. Yeah, I loved the lockdown life, and I know that that's that 
kind of comes from a privileged absolutely i'm the same uh, yeah state of living but it really it gave me the permission to to lean into my other love which is painting mm -hmm. which was you know for better or for worse was always plan a for me yeah and the band i you know i love music i've always loved music I I almost tripped over the band while I was at art school mm -hmm. and decided back in 91 was like, well, I guess I'll just fucking drop out of NASCAD and go tour the world with this rock band. And yeah. Imagining it would last a couple of years max. We, you know, we didn't know. None of us had a clue what we were getting ourselves into. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, fast forward 30 plus years later, here we still are doing it and that in and of itself is is our band's success is that we're still here doing it yeah yeah no i agree so and, and that's important to me and everybody else i think i think that's really a, it's a feather in all of our caps and something that we we should definitely honor and respect and and not not waste not fritter it away yeah no, I, well, that sounds promising. And like, like you, like we both have sort of established, if any band could withstand uh, a long distance uh, working relationship, it's probably Sloan. Uh, they've done it before. You've been doing it for some time. Now, uh, I've been asking uh, everyone else uh, in the band about uh, their particular songs, the ones they seem to be uh, the most involved in or behind. Uh, in your case, I think it's pretty clear. The songs I want to ask you about are Panic on Runnymede. And close yep. en close encounters is that that's got to be correct. I know I'm right on this. Can we get a? Those are those are my two <laughs> tracks on the new Sloan record. You nailed it. Got it. Yeah, yours is more obvious because uh, with some of the others, uh, particularly uh, Chris is all over everyone's songs, right? Singing or doing something, and I never know uh, lyrically or whatnot what the contributions were. But yours seem pretty self-contained in a sense. Um, and I also am getting the sense that you didn't play drums at all on this album is that true only on my songs i think i might have just like played time for patrick to just kind of like cut and paste right i think maybe not i don't even know is that i honestly don't is know. that unusual for you not to play drums on any songs on a record i mean mostly any songs on a record um well i mean it's it's also just the necessity of how we had to operate this time around yeah and it's like you know, no hard feelings. It was like if you you got a drum part that you you're happy with, and Murph can play the drums yeah. as well as I can. Yeah. Uh, fucking go for it. I don't think anyone feels that. Uh, maybe I don't even think Chris would say that. I think they all think you're the best drummer. So I, I just want to say that for the record, and I don't want to get in the middle of anything. But I guess I kind of well, that's yeah, that's that's those are those are kind words, but you know, they're also it's also kind of like. Whatever. I mean, <laughs> we're all just trying our, we're all trying to do our best, no matter what circumstance or incidents. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Now, I love your songs. Uh, I want to ask you specifically about some aspects of them in a moment. But what, okay. what I've been asking the others about is basically a sense of temporality, or rather, are these songs that uh, we're hearing of this time because some as you know uh, in rock history sometimes a band will be like remember that song eight years ago we couldn't finish uh let's finish that now but my sense in yeah. talking to everyone is there is contemporary resonance uh with the current state of the world and what we've all just uh 
been going through together uh, in terms of everything. Mm-hmm. Your songs, to me, seem really of their time, um, and I want to get into that a little bit. Uh, in an overview sense, do you have a sense of what inspired your songwriting on, on this record and in, in these two songs? Well, you know, there was there was and still is this thing called the novel coronavirus that that uh, when the what, the day the sky fell, I just set up my drums and fucking started recording on GarageBand. Oh, and I was just like, well, what am I, we're, we're in. I, I said to my wife and I said to my kid, we were supposed to get on a plane March 17th, 2020 to go to Mexico. Oh, man. And uh, that didn't happen, thank God. Yeah. And I looked at my wife and I said, this is going to be two years minimum. Yeah, yeah. I just had a fucking gut feeling. And uh, I wasn't proud of my accuracy in predicting anything, but here we are, almost three years. that's that's how I feel. This is how I feel, Andrew. I don't want to be this guy, but everything I've said has been correct, and people are mad at me about it, and I don't take any comfort in it. But they said when this started in March, 18 to 24 months. Like, everyone smart uh, who knows these... I'm not smart. I'm saying the experts said this, but people yeah. were doubting it. I Sorry, I just want to commiserate with you. I feel the same. Uh, and I get the side eye and the anger uh, for being uh, vaguely... Uh, I don't... Well, I'm not an expert. I just... I'm like, no. I just heard a smart person say that. I, I, so I think... Neither am I. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it was just selective hearing. Uh, mm-hmm. That makes the people angry. So angry people are just looking for freedom, and uh, no more <laughs> lockdowns, no more <laughs> mandates. The angry people are often very afraid. Well, that there's some jack off on my street too. Here's another reason where I'm just like, <laughs> get the fuck out. There's some guy with a fucking minivan covered in like ink, uh, sharpie, freedom slogans. It's it's flying like six fucking flags, mm-hmm. variations on the Canadian flag, which is now a dead symbol. Yeah, um, and a giant fuck Trudeau flag hanging off the back as the cherry on the top. Oh yeah. yeah, me and me and my son were on a leisurely bike ride on Canada Day, and we ran into those people with the sweatshirts that said "fuck Trudeau." And so then my son was like, "So is Trudeau bad?" I was like, "Oh man, <laughs> well, here we go." Regardless yeah, so it, of your opinion of him yeah. as a politician or a political leader, it's just like, yeah, this no, this dickhead is bad news. Yeah, exactly. So then we, that's what I tried to say. And it's just, uh, yeah, very volatile time. So let's, okay, I appreciate that that brief overview. Uh, I want to ask you about uh, the songs in sequence. Panic on Rennie Mead. Mm-hmm. Uh, where do you suppose you conjured this? Because I'm, I'm wrestling with it myself. It seems surreal, dystopian in some ways, but also reality. What For you, where did this come from? It just it just came out with little to no effort, hmm. lyrically and musically, and you know it was just a kind of a reflection of like you said the the state of the time we live in right now. Yeah. Do you view this song in particular as this is where I'm wrestling with it, and I'm not wrestling with it. I think this is where people are wrestling with stuff. They view uh, articulations of bleakness. Uh, as some sort of negative thinking, and I I argue it's it is maybe that, but it also is realistic. Um, yeah, is that is that your vibe? Is that where you where you're thinking things are and where we're going, where we're at? Well, not necessarily. I mean, I don't think that that all the good has been sucked out of the world, but uh, I do think there has been 
an unnecessarily large influx of uh, bad into all of our lives, whether it's our fucking, it, we're all completely addicted to the the bland social media feeds. And mm. I just sit on my front porch, hopefully reading a book instead of scrolling. And I just, I, everybody is walking down the street, staring at their phones. It's like, it's like we're living in a, in a fucking Simpsons episode. Yeah, it does seem that way. There's a passage I want to read to you and to the listeners, I guess, from Panic on Runnymede. Days come and go. Now I really need to sow seeds in the garden where the garbage can breed, mm-hmm. make mem- make memories. So where, what, sorry, I don't, I, I, I've joked with the others that I'm uh, quietly working on a master's thesis about the Sloan album Steady. But can you talk a little bit about where that that specific passage stuck out to me? It's a it is a ostensibly the chorus, I guess. Yeah, uh, I guess so. You know, it's kind of part A, part B, part A, part B, and that's yes. sort of what both of my uh, my contributions are. Yeah, which I can appreciate as someone who likes uh, that that form of uh, pop songwriting where you're like, is this the verse or the chorus? What's happening? Is this what is this part? You know. Uh, anyway, yes. sorry. Can you talk a little bit about the sentiment in that? That passage I just read? Lyrically, you know, I've I've always I gotta stop saying you know. This is another thing about uh just the the world we live in. I can't not stop saying you know before anything. Well, you know what else? Maybe you, you don't know. But yes, exactly. You can't assume I know anything. I might be I might be in the dark. That's true. <laughs> that's why I'm that's why I got you on the line here. I I don't know anything. Don't tell me I know. I'm Ly- asking you to tell me what to know. Lyrically <laughs> 99% of my songs, it's just wordplay. I'm not telling a story. I'm not uh, referring to any experience that I have had personally. I'm just, I just come up with words. It's like, basically, it's almost like, you know, again, there you go, you know, <laughs> rap music, hip hop is just playing uh, drums with words. So, right. When I'm, writing music i never have words first i always create the template of the guitar bass drums or whatever uh it happens to be yeah and then i just kind of like do little mental drum fills in my head and try to put words to those i see okay so you write rhythmically almost like the phrase very much so right now there is a striking part of Panic on Runnymede, which I want to ask you about just the title it itself is evocative, and mm-hmm. we didn't really cover that, except, uh, it's not, uh, is that your, that's not your street, is it? Oh, God, no. I don't I can't think no, of Toronto No, it's one of the streets. most, yeah. it's a, it's a Toronto street, it's one of the most um, unassuming, kind of like boring, almost bordering on uh, Etobicoke oh, okay. avenues. Yeah. Okay. There's there is seldom ever a panic on Runny Mead as far as I have <laughs> have heard, but I did like I like the uh, the image it created. So it is on the West End for sure. I'm sorry. I'm, I've I, I was. It is in the West End. It's North South Thoroughfare. Today, someone I was talking to someone today, and they were saying, "I'm going to Toronto. You need anything?" And it was a joke. And I was like, "Oh, you should go to this. I like this pizza place on College and uh, uh, I couldn't remember Spadina. I'm losing my." Ontario College geography. I well, yeah, here's another Fresca. I like the Fresca. I'll just give him a plug. I like Fresca Pizza on College of Spadina. I don't know if you know that place. It's good. 
There's another another aspect of my neighborhood just to backtrack here that oh. that is uh, insane making is there is this little this little cafe it was called Luna Cafe oh, right yeah. around the corner just on the corner of Argyle and Dovercourt that was there for thirty plus years like a little unassuming cute little coffee shop then they got yoinked out by a dispute with the landlord a couple of years ago oh. and then this pizza joint moved in it's called Batty Alley Pizza oh. and. Oh, my fucking God, on a Friday or a Saturday, if it's sunny, there are literally 150 people lined up down the street huh. to get a slice of pizza. Is it good? Did you have any? You know, I, sp- I, I, I spent at least, it was only about a week and a half ago where my sister was visiting from Halifax with her daughter and... We decided, all right, we're going to get Batty Alley. But up until then, I was just like, I'm not even going to try it <laughs> boy- just out of spite. Boycotting. How was the slice, though? It was good, but it wasn't. <laughs> uh, I would not line up for an hour for it when there is a place just down the street on Queen Street called King Slice. Oh, yeah. That is as good, if not better. Ah, the King Slice replaced the Massimos that was there. And I like that better. But anyway, this is just about me. I'm sorry. I. It's fine. That's all right. That's fine. Sorry, I miss Toronto here and there, but mostly for stupid things like a $5 slice of pizza and a brio. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, there's a section in Panic on Running Meat I just want to ask you about because it's compelling and interesting, and it's just ahead of a, I guess it's a, a, a broke-down kind of solo section, but you say, oh, no, in a really, I find, interesting yeah. way. What's that about? Um, I think I just threw that in there just to... Just to uh, finish this song, <laughs> it's it's. I like it, and it suits the mood. I like uh, if I. If, I think it was you know the dogs kind of come in, and they were oh yeah, the they dogs. they were there. Yeah, you know when I record in, in my house, I just have well, like one mic set up, and if the mailman comes by, the dogs go ape shit, mm. and it's kind of too good to 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 re-record it so I just keep them in yeah no I I like that part too it's like dogs run free or something it's like an apocalyptic everything's weird and then there's dogs barking like something's alarming the dogs you know yeah so you know oh no (laughs) the dogs are coming after (laughs) something yeah All right. I appreciate that and I also appreciate that uh, you don't want to uh, give away too much because maybe you don't even know what to say about some of these things well I, i'm i'm trying to give away as much as i possibly can but it's unfortunately it's so um boring and and there's not a lot of there's not a lot of real um defining i can put to it it's just like i just play with words and put them together and and uh hope for the best I don't think it's boring in any way. I find them very. I, I wouldn't ask if I found. I think they're interesting, and and I. But I also appreciate your relative objectivity to your own uh, creations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard for me to. It's hard to articulate what's going on. It's just like you tell me what's going on. I know, and I and I I have a role in this too. So I, I that's why I'm kind of trying to highlight things that stuck out to me. Let's go to the the next, the only other song rather that you. Uh, take a lead role in his Close Encounters, another great song. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoy this one. Thank you. Yeah, where did this one sort of, again, uh, having said everything you just said about how you don't know where things come from, if you pro- yeah. if you process this a little bit, do you know? This feels, uh, by the way, again, very much of this time uh, that we, we're dealing with. Is, yeah, that, yeah. is that fair? 
Oh, 100 percent. Yeah. Hundo PC, as somebody might say, <laughs> in, uh, on Queen Street. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I can I can tell you uh, exactly where this song came from, and I can basically I can I can break it down into uh, into almost a recipe. There's like mm. uh, I had Black Sabbath, Planet Caravan, oh. song number three on Paranoid, I believe. Yeah. Mixed with a little bit of "Waiting on a Friend" by the Rolling Stones. Oh yeah, from uh, from add from, in from, from a Tattoo little you. from Tattoo. Add you. in a little yeah. tiny bit of Genesis. Turn it on again. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Mixed with a a, a nice helping of uh, "Lost Johnny" by Motorhead, the last song on the first Motorhead record. Okay. And then, uh, then the, as a sprinkling of uh, icing to, to sort of serve the meal, throw in September by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Oh, I didn't. And then m- yeah. mix all those together. And when you're delivering the meal to the patron, um, <laughs> you play the little, the little keyboard run from the movie Close Encounters that they played for the aliens. Yes, yes. This is a deliberate nod to, to that. Uh, I, I understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard that. Okay, well, I appreciate all that. So you're saying musically, uh, it's a, some wild amalgam of all sorts of things that were floating around there. Lyrically, yeah. I'm going to point to a couple of things here that that drew my attention because uh, again, really feels like it's of this time of adjustment to unprecedented things. Here's what I'm going to read. Mm -hmm. As for children, having been one, I know that small change can be hard, like the stones from your yard or the Rolling Stones from their 1981 album, Tattoo You, uh, Waiting on a Friend. These times are insane, so many never getting away with it. I'm wearing my mask, a second summer drawing close to its end. Now, I had a small debate with uh, your friend and mine, Chris Murphy, about I'm wearing my mask, because he's like, really? Isn't this too of the moment? And I thought, well, you know, masks. When someone says they're in the theater, I'm not from the theater. But a mask doesn't necessarily mean a face cloth covering. It could be like, you don't know. I'm in disguise. I thought it was kind of timeless in a sense, but of its time, I think you did a Jay Ferguson move there. Well, no, Jay stuff is actually more not of the current time. Anyway, my point is, I thought there was a double meaning there. Am I wrong? Uh, No. Good. So Chris is wrong. We all agree. Chris might be wrong on oh. this one. No, uh, what is what's, there's a lot going on there. Obviously, of this time, is that is there much more to say about the, that passage than yeah? That's this is my perception of how things are going right now. Uh, that's pretty pretty accurate. Yeah. Okay. Then later, you already alluded to this. It's so depressingly sad how held hostage we are by the Wi-Fi bars and all the gas in our cars. Mm-hmm. Man. So this is ecological, and this is what the hell are we doing? Is this is human behavior oh, yeah. stuff, right? Yeah, this is like we're all going to hell in a handbasket, yeah. and uh, we're too far past the line for for it to really be dealt with. Yeah, so, accordingly. Yeah, for me, this is a thing. Again, it feels spooky and and sort of surreal. But again, I'm like, yeah, but it's all this is all happening. So it's it's one of those things where you've captured something. I think with the Close Encounters thing, too. Like, it's got a mm-hmm. scary alien vibe to it, but then I'm like, this stuff is not alien to me. The stuff Andrew's actually saying is real, and that's what actually makes it even scarier. Uh, that we're, what does it say? The blinking, oh, yeah. every, like, it's uh, the blinking caution light, 
The Fantods howling skyward like it's been rigged from the start. There's a big hole in your heart. Oh, anyways, mm, bleak. it's bleak stuff, but it's real. So it seems to me you were just trying to capture what's happening in his art in an artful way. But uh, I think so. But it's also some of your most like when someone invokes, you know, I used to do this all the time is that Ben Gunning. He would write about like oh, yeah. modern. He would use modern words in his songs where he talk about like screensavers or I don't think he mm-hmm. ever talked about it. But you've got Wi-Fi bars like that's very of its time. But oh, definitely. So it's it's this is something of a I don't want to say it's a protest song, but it feels like it a little bit. You know what I mean? Well, it's not a. I would definitely never call it a protest song. I would call it just an. Uh, it's an observational song. Sure. Okay. That that's fair. Can I ask you about something that I don't understand at all? Sure. Another changer posted modern mm-hmm. modern world game. I don't know. There's a. What does that mean? There's a perfect example of just fucking playing with words in the studio, uh, literally singing that, making up the words, the melody, the phonetics of it on the spot. And uh, I needed one little one little line, and that's what came out. But you, you don't know what it means. Another changer posted. What what came to mind when you came up with that? Uh, I like the uh, I like the sort of like break up the game changer. Oh. And. And the the idea of you know what isn't posted today. Oh, I see. Okay, you mean posted like social media posted, or what does that mean? Sure, maybe or or put up uh, or stapled up to a, a lamp post. Missing cat, right? Or uh, fuck Trudeau on the back of your minivan, or your hooded sweatshirt that your son asked you about, and you're like, I just wanted to go for a nice bike ride. Jesus. Exactly. Anyway. Yeah. Okay. Well, listen. I I appreciate the the time you've given me. I know this can be awkward, particularly if you're like I don't even know what these songs are about. Is there anything else you want to say about these two songs in particular? Things that stick out. I know my understanding rather is Gregory McDonald and you collaborated quite a bit on these particular songs. Is that right? We did. Yeah. Because uh, again, like uh, the we had to keep the numbers to a minimum when we were putting these things together. So it was just like whatever whatever the 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 feel was in terms of the general risk level and every individual's risk taking assessment of themselves was you know it was a it was up and down and yeah. dicey yeah and i think we in terms of this pandemic it's only it's literally only in the last like week and a half that i'm kind of like kind of over the mask thing. Like if somebody wants me to mask up, no problem. I've got one in my pocket. Uh, I'll put one on for as long as I need to be around anybody. Yeah. But if no, if nobody's where a wearing one and I'm in the grocery store, I'm kind of like, I don't want to wear a mask anymore. Right. No, I mean, no one does. If I don't have to, no one does, but I, and, and we're still not out of the woods in terms of this pandemic. Uh, hopefully in the next year we will but uh, you know uh, again i'm saying you know um (laughs) we're gonna be living this with this thing for the rest of our lives yeah it does feel that way at the moment to me too although yeah as we're speaking there are some inroads and by the time this is posted maybe there'll be more news and updates 
uh, going on. Posted. You just said posted. Yeah, I did. Another changer posted. Another. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, I don't know. Have you had a chance to spend much time listening to everyone else's songs on Steady at this point? Uh, at this point, you know what? I'm not going to lie. I have not really, but it's not out of uh, disinterest. It's just uh, it's just the the state of my computer and my ability to play things from downloaded files is mm. is my computer is such a piece of shit. Yeah. So I'm kind of waiting. I'm waiting to just. I mean, I'll you know we're we're trying to learn these songs uh, here and there as we speak. Yeah. And we'll figure it out like we've done for every record. We've always had to learn the record as a band after the fact. No, that's um, fair. The reason, one of the reasons I asked beyond just wondering if you had thoughts about them uh, or any of them in particular, but one of the reasons I asked is because uh, in this process, this is a bit weird for me doing a show this way. I've never, very rarely have I spoken to individual members of the same band. I usually throw to a song at the end of an uh-huh. interview and they pick one and we talk about that a little bit. Um, yeah. at this point, it sounds to me you would probably know your own songs better than everyone else's. Is that a fair assessment? 100 PC. <laughs> so if we had to go out on a song, uh, and again, I'm, I'm making this a democratic thing. Whoever gets the most votes. So far, it's a total split decision. Everyone's picked a okay. different song. I don't know what to do. If, so if you had to pick a song for people to hear even a little bit of right now, Andrew, what would you pick? What's the really sad one of Patrick's? Oh, you want to? You don't want to pick one of yours. The sad one of Patrick's is called "Simply Leaving." Simply leaving. Yeah, I love that one. Yeah, I do too. It's, uh, it literally um, brought tears to my eyes when I first heard it. Yeah, I, and I'm still pissed at Murph. We had a we had a big argument this February over over the sequencing of the record because I thought I felt strongly that that there were better songs to start. To be track one. Oh, you're not a big fan of magical thinking. It's not that I'm not a big fan of magical thinking, but I think there are stronger songs. And I even suggested let's fucking start the record with that song of Patrick. Really? Oh, okay. I don't know if yeah, I, I, like, I don't know if I agree with you on that one, but I appreciate your. Well, your... well, Murphy didn't agree with me either, <laughs> and the rest is history. <laughs> right. All right. Well, uh, as for now, uh, we'll play a little. We'll play people a little bit of simply leaving. Uh, which is a Patrick Pentland composition from this uh, excellent record, uh, Steady by Sloan. And uh, Andrew, I guess people can follow you if they choose to on social media, if you still have it by the time this thing is on. Yeah, I'm an Instagram person, um, sort of for better or for worse, but it's been really really fortunate a couple of years in terms of just selling paintings through Instagram. So the downside of of that fortune is that I have to, I spend way too much time on it. Mm. And that's just, that's just the devil we know today, I guess. Yeah. But yeah, I, yeah, I'm an Instagram person at, at Andrew W G Scott. That's Andrew at Andrew W G Scott. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll link that uh, for people so they can click on it when they're looking at the podcast stuff. I've long yeah. wanted to have you on this particular show, Andrew, to talk about your art, uh, and I hope someday we can uh, have an extended it. extended chat because I don't you don't do many podcasts per se, do you? Uh, no, I don't. I think this is literally this is literally the the third Zoom I've done the oh. entire pandemic. Okay, well, I'm honored that you made time for me on Zoom. 
I'm honored <laughs> that you made time to be uh, on this show. And as you get used to it, I want to uh, tell you that you're in for a nice treat as you dig into Steady. I think it's one of the finest uh, Sloan records I've heard. So congratulations well, on thank that. thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. And, and again, I love your contributions to it. I love these two songs. So always a fan Thanks of your work, much. Andrew. And uh, I hope we talk again. Best of luck in the future. You too, Vish. And we will, you haven't seen The Last of Us. <laughs> I think I finally broke in November. Maybe December, I don't remember. It was late. Was full of hate and love and snakes and heartbreaks. Hey Patrick, how you doing? I'm well, how are you? I'm well, thank you so much for asking. I assume you're somewhere in Toronto, Ontario? I am, yes, I'm at home. One of my homes. <laughs> <laughs> how many uh, how many homes do you own? Are you right. like that Dr. Oz? He's got like fifty houses. No, I'm no I'm <laughs> I'm in the process of moving from one house to another, but um, oh, yeah, no, I'm oh, at I, I'm at home in in Toronto. I I just got back from uh, um, playing a basically a a barn on a farm in the middle of nowhere up in Muskoka. Oh, nice! This is with Sloan. Yeah, with Sloan, we uh, we played some. Actually, it was like a corporate thing, although it wasn't like a bank or anything. It was something else. But uh, huh. but we were all in like cabins and and. Uh, there was like goose crap everywhere, and mm. uh, anyway, it was fun. It was good to do. This is the most uh, Canadian trip anyone on my show has ever heard about. Just <laughs> you know, cabins. What? It was, yeah, it was the most roughing it we've ever done. I think you know we've played up north a few times and stuff, but it's always been okay. And then they were giving us like towels that because it's just like a retreat type place, but it wasn't like a nice retreat. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just like super old towels, like just random beach towels and stuff. And I'm like, and then I wanted to order pizza afterwards. And it's like the nearest pizza place was like 14 kilometers away. Oh, man. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, that's good. You got to rough it sometimes. At this point, it's good to have a good rough it story, I think. Don't you think? At this point, sure. in Stones. Oh, yeah. We're, yeah. we're so spoiled. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's nice to chat with you. And the occasion is an exciting one for me. I, I really love this album, Steady. Uh, the new record by Sloan. My whole family loves it, actually. So uh, I just want to say off the top, congratulations. I hope you're proud of it. Uh, it's really great. Uh, you know, I like the record, yeah. I mean, uh, it's sometimes a bit difficult to have perspective, but because I kind of feel like they're all great. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, it, it was a little bit of a feat to make it, and we weren't even sure if we were going to make a record again. Can you hear that dog barking? Oh, of course I can. It's hard to avoid upstairs. a dog. It's fine. It's fine. People okay. like right. so many it's, dogs and animals have appeared upstairs. on this show. What's that? It's just it's my kid's dog upstairs. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. Don't worry. It's fine. People, you know, I had uh, Travis Good and Mike Politsky mm-hmm. on to talk about the new uh, Sadie's record, and uh, Travis lives on a farm, but they also just keep a lot of pets. So throughout the entire conversation. There's a parrot named Mr. Pickles squawking. And I couldn't, I took some of it out, but other times I'm like, you know what? This is kind of funny. And it was hard to take out because the squawking would often, you know, overlap with Travis saying something. So I couldn't. Anyway, I don't know. There were some comments about it from listeners, but like, I I thought there would just be a deluge of people being like, what the hell is that? (laughs) <laughs> anyway, all this to say, don't feel self-conscious about the dog. All right. It's okay. fine. Uh, what were we talking about? You were talking about uh, Sloan. 
Oh, uh, well, perspective. Yes. Yeah. Well, you were. Um, yes, I, uh, yeah, we were, I mean, I was saying that, um, we weren't sure if we were even going to do a record and then we did it during the, um, pandemic. So, you know, that was a bit of a challenge as well, because obviously we were limited to the times we could do things and you got to wear a mask the whole time and only one other person could be in the studio and like things like that. So Yeah. yeah, it was a bit of a challenge that way. From what I've gathered about the way Sloan has been operating for almost 25 years, I feel like you are, you were pandemic prepared as a musical entity where you don't get together every time uh, to write a, a song. In fact, it might be the case that each of you works on songs on your own, and then when you convene, uh, you work on them together. So in a sense, that, and, and my point is, this is how a lot of people were forced to uh, work together during the pandemic, a lot of long distance remote working together. In in the case of Sloan, am I cor- I, th- I th- believe I'm correct, but am I correct that you were already operating in a way that most other people had to adapt to in terms of like, I'm going to work on this in my house. I might email you something. Uh, and then when we finally get together, it'll come together. Is that how Sloan has sort of been working anyway? A little bit. Yeah. I mean, or I mean, for me, yes. In terms of, I often don't really collaborate with everybody else. And even in terms of recording, I, I usually record separately. Uh, not for any reason, mainly just for just the way it's been. But yeah, I mean, I think Andrew's sort of the same way. Chris and Jay tend to work together a little bit yeah, more. Yeah. Certainly in the preliminary, like they'll bring each other demos and stuff. I, I'll send them demos too. I think they like to work together. So often um, we will um, record separately. And as as you're saying, a lot of bands will end up sort of recording live off the floor together and then overdub afterwards or something, which we have done. But over the years, we found that it's a little bit more um, financially better if we can kind of work. Well, I don't know if it's financially better, but just time wise, instead of all of us being together and, you know, we're, we're, we're capable songwriters and capable producers all on our own. Yeah. And we don't make the same songs, the same type of songs. Like my songs are a bit different than Jay's. And so it's just sort of more fun uh, for us to have that room to just do our own thing. And then it comes out basically under the banner of Sloan. The, the, the band famously has two fantastic drummers, Chris Murphy, Andrew Scott, both play drums mm-hmm. and they also play guitar. And uh, I think each of them can are basically multi-instrumentalists. So when you say you record things mostly on your own. Does that include mm-hmm. everything? Uh, like, cause I can no. see. Well, it, it doesn't, I mean, I sometimes will do bass. Yeah. I like Chris's bass playing. So I'll sometimes just get him to come in and do it, even though I'm, I'm capable of doing it. And I have done it on a bunch of, uh, you know, various songs over the years, including yeah. our first record. Yeah. And then of course, you know, I don't always want to do that stuff. Like just, why don't you do it? <laughs> um, so I don't have to, I can just sit and watch you. Yeah. But then, like, Jay doesn't really play on my stuff, so I would I would usually try to do a guitar part for him that might sound a bit like something he would play, mm-hmm. or maybe I've told him to play. And, um, and then with drums, usually how I work is that we start the song with some kind of a drum loop or a drum machine, and then halfway through the song, I will uh, I'll get Andrew to come in and play along with it, or... Chris to come in and play along with it, depending on, on who's available or what or what it sounds like. Yeah, this was a little different because of the way that we our studio time was a bit more precious. So we ended up doing the drums 
I believe, ahead of time. Although maybe maybe mine were done to a demo. Anyway, we did them, and Chris did all the drums, yeah, as opposed to um, as opposed to Andrew because Andrew, I think there was just a timeline thing, and they wanted to get it done quickly. Yeah, even though it took, you know, I mean, record's still not out. And it was, we, this is like almost two years ago. Oh, was it? Oh, okay. You started it that long ago. Well, it was, I mean, well, maybe not, but it, we, yeah, I mean, we started it kind of it, as it, usually what happens is that the start date can be a little bit tricky because like Chris and Jay may start recording a little bit initially, but I might not start and Andrew might not start till maybe a month later or something, mm. depending. Mm. And I usually like to let them get knee deep in, in it for a while. And then, cause I, I feel like I work fairly quickly and I usually do it at night which is another thing like we would do it where all of this sort of stemmed from um, making a little bit from making Navy Blues because I wasn't living in Toronto, but the other guys were. And when we made the next record between the bridges, I, I wasn't getting along with Brendan McGuire at the time who was co-producing the record with us. Right. So I ended up working at night with a different engineer and I liked that and I got stuff done quickly. And that's just sort of how I just, we just did it from then on because it was just faster. I see to get things done that way. Yeah. But then when we made Action Pack, we we wrote and we recorded all like all the bed tracks and everything together live. So um that was more of a collaborative effort that record. Nice. Um yeah. but and then with this one, as you say, like we were more prepared to do it individually cuz space was now an issue, not just time, but um you know, we didn't want a lot of people cuz we were recording in, in a, basically somebody's apartment. And so the control room was quite small. Um and Ryan Hazlitt, who was the engineer and producer of that record, a bunch of records, was at the time, it is his house that we were recording in, but he and his family were living with his mother, mm. and he was a bit nervous of, of him getting sick, which might not affect him, but he's got two young kids and his, his older mother, so he was a bit paranoid about getting sick. So that, that meant that sometimes we just weren't coming in, you know, we could have been in the studio for a week, but he couldn't come in because he worried about something. I don't know. So yeah, it kind of screwed up as with everybody in the world, it screwed up that type of scheduling, but we weren't under any, we didn't have any deadlines. So it was just kind of like, except for, you know, some people in the band want everything done immediately so that we can move on to something else. So there was some impatience with that, but in terms of like, we didn't have, I mean, we knew we were going to have to go on tour at some point, but at that time, making the record, we had no idea if we were going to tour right. ever again. Yeah. You know, it seemed. Yeah, you know. I can understand that. It was particularly shaky in the time you were making a, a record, uh, which is ironically called Steady. Um, so <laughs> I appreciate what you're saying. So what I'd like to do in terms of this conversation is actually go through the songs that I perceive to be and will confirm in a moment to be the ones that you uh, have a lead role in. And the songs I've identified are Spend the Day, Scratch the Surface, and Simply Leaving. First of all, am I mm-hmm. correct? Yes. Uh, okay. Yeah, those are my songs, yeah. Those are your songs that you, so just so people listen, yeah, you wrote them, you sing the lead on them. This is not yeah. to uh, discount anything else you may have contributed to anyone else's songs in terms of, like you were saying, guitar parts for Jay, uh, or perhaps right. uh, uh, backup vocals, or even um, yeah, musical or ideas. Just, yeah, Musical ideas. I mean, yeah. that can happen. That usually, for me, and it usually just happens with Chris, but I'll come in with a, I'll hear what he's been doing and then I'll say, oh, like there is some instances on the record where uh, like Magical Thinking, the first song has like a little 
ding, 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 like individual note, little melody that happens. A Wurlitzer or something, I think, maybe, or a I, synth? It or? might be. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I think it's actually a guitar. Oh, is but, it? Um, okay. It might, but it, that was me. I just was like, well, what about this? And it's a little bit off the beat or whatever. And so that changed that part. But yeah. I mean, that's that's in some ways why we just sort of split the publishing because you never know where an idea is going to come from. And Yeah. But yes, for sure. Those those three songs were my songs. Yeah. That, none of them have been around that long, but because um, sometimes I have songs that have been around for like 10 years or something. But Yeah, so these... I mean, like Spend the Day was... Spend the Day I basically wrote a couple of days before we recorded it. Yeah, I want to go through each of them with you a little bit because I feel like they are both deeply personal songs, but uh, at least two of them feel also... Uh, universal enough, and that is not meant to be a tag for your record label in Canada. I mean universal and that anyone could relate to it. I think two of them feel to me about more about this time that we've all shared uh, during the pandemic and, and feelings of dislocation, disconnection, disassociation. I don't know how else to put it. The third song, yeah. and I'll just uh, explain that I'm referring to Simply Leaving, seems deeply, deeply personal, but... This is just my take on it. Let's go through them. Can you tell me a little okay. bit about what might have inspired the song Spend the Day from your perspective? Well, it, I mean, it had something to do with it's sort of like spend the day in here is like whatever, like in my mind or whatever. And the, the song is sort of about just um, people's... Well, yeah, because we were living in a, a time of misinformation you know, who knew what coronavirus was or whatever. That gave, you just kept seeing people coming to blows online or whatever about like, I perceive the world to be this way. Well, I perceive it to be this way. Yeah. And of course, we all perceive the world to be differently, you know, from each other. And, and, and you have different experiences that, that might shape the way that you see the world. So, so it's a little bit of that. Yeah. And just people not trusting reality because we're being fed reality through, this song's not about the internet or even about COVID, but like it is about what is the, what is the real information that you're, you're receiving, whether it's talking to a friend or the emotions that you might get from another person, like they may care about you, but they may not, yeah. uh, which would bring me to the third song. But like, there's a lot of that. And, and at the same time, there's a little bit of a drug therapy or drug talk in there too, about just the way that, that you can sort of get you know take mushrooms or something and then suddenly think about the world a, li a little bit differently and it stays with you for the rest of your life you know yeah and is that legitimate how is that not as legitimate as anything else you know well i want to read you uh i guess a, I, I don't mean to make you sound like shakespeare by describing it as a couplet <laughs> but i just want to read okay. a, two lines i guess they're just two lines from spend the day because they stick out to me uh because i think uh, they connect to certainly the song scratch the surface and then another Sloan right. song that you have written uh, in the past called The Other Side. And the lyric in Spend mm -hmm. the Day is, it's not like living in your real world is better than my life on the other side. And then in not Scratch sure. the Surface, you've got the chorus is, Scratch the Surface, there's something living on the other side. On the other side. And then at the end of the song, it gets even more complicated. In parentheses, it's been alive, Scratch the Surface, all my life. There's something living on the, side. on the other side. There's something living that's worthwhile. So this other side, I, I, I appreciate you saying that this is, uh, spend the day in particular is not about the internet when you say, you know, it's not like living in your real no. world is better than my life on the other side. But these are the kinds of lives we've been leading, right? A lot of virtual interaction, mm -hmm. virtual consumption of the world. 
uh, and then you go out into the real world <laughs> and someone's like, what? I don't feel that way. Well, I don't feel the way everyone you think on the internet feels or thinks, you know, like it, there is this complication. Anyway, sorry, that's just my reading of this. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you even in, in that way, you know, in, in my own life or my family, we've had to deal with sort of internet addiction almost where somebody is so immersed in that all the time, like obsessed with you know, whatever politics or whatever. And there are people that you would know quite well and how, how they think. And they really just want to see the world as they see it. And that's it. And, it, and, you know, again, as I say, I don't know how legitimate or illegitimate that is because I don't even know if there's a war in Ukraine. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I see it on the internet. Mm. I haven't mm-hmm, been there. Mm-hmm. And you often see that there's a ship, they, you know, it's a Russian trawler sinking or whatever. It's like, that's actually from about three years ago. You know, it's like, well, then who knows what's right. going on. But that's not really what the song's about, but it, it's sort of more about perception, your perception of of the world. And and it also deals with coming to, to grips with who you are as a person and what you've hidden from people. Right. Because that's the other right. side. That's the other side is who you really are, like whether you're really gay or whether you're really um, angry or whether you're really depressed or whatever. It's, it's not something that... You, people necessarily have an easy time showing other people because they're scared because they don't want to be judged. You know, what? why do we judge certain people? We judge people the way we do based on history and based on society and, you know, Victorian whatever, or whatever you want to, want to say, the Bible or, or yeah. whatever. These things shape our reality and what we accept out of people. Like, you know, if somebody is gay, well, that's what they are. It's not an opinion. Right, right. But... We have been tra- we've been trained to to either have to say it's not an opinion, or we have been trained to think, oh, what a drag, or that's weird, or whatever, just based on information that we get, based on information that came from you know the past, which is open to interpretation regardless. Uh, I don't know. That, that, well, no, I, I, that bit, really weird. <laughs> everything you just said, I think, is kind of captured more succinctly in just the song title and lyrics scratch the surface. Because you're basically mm-hmm. like, you got to dig deeper to get the real information, I think. Yeah, and also to realize that, because the other part of the song, Alone in the City, is uh, sort of about how, I mean, these are not mind-blowingly original ideas, but, you know, the idea that uh, living in a city surrounded by thousands and thousands of people and you don't connect with anybody beyond maybe holding the door open for them or whatever and every single person that walks past you is bubbling under with like joy or anger or sadness or whatever and we don't see any of it because we hide it and that means that when somebody wants to be vulnerable or needs to be they can't be because nobody wants to or you feel that nobody will care, even though everybody will care. Yeah. Um, but we've just been trained to keep everything underneath. And, and of course, there's a multi-billion dollar industry of therapists and stuff that would try to coax that out of you. Um, well, so that the, the idea of which, sorry, I'm not, I'm, I'm all for therapy. I'm just saying yeah. that we don't naturally, we don't naturally want to share those things because I feel like we're sort of shamed out of it. And so that's the idea of alone in the city, like a single flame. I mean, I would have, like, it, isn't it Glenn Fry who wrote that song, Alone in the City? The Eagle song? 
Well, I think it's his solo song. Oh, is it a solo song? I, oh, no, You Belong to the City. That's you Belong to the City, You Belong to the Street, the, the night, night, The Night. I don't remember yeah, what it is. I don't know. That's uh, Why did you bring that out of my subconscious? I didn't need that in there. That's from my <laughs> radio listening days from as a kid. Uh, well, I, I just, you know, it sounds like I'm ripping him. A lot of people have been saying I'm ripping off Glenn Fry. But oh, my God. I didn't even think of that. <laughs> now you're, oh, God. Please don't say that. I don't. No, no, that's not true. I hate the Eagles. Anyway, my point is this. So You hate the Eagles. I don't like the Eagles at all myself. I hate them. Yeah. Uh, there's something wrong with the Eagles. I don't like them. I was actually just rewatching last night. The There's a really, cla- I'll send you the link. Uh, I'll text it to you. But there's a really funny Latter-day Letterman moment where they discover that if they want to play an Eagle song, like if Paul and the band just want to interpolate or play a little bit of an Eagle song, each song costs $250,000 in licensing. And so right. Letterman just having the time of his life basically making fun of the Eagles. And it's very funny. And it's like from probably 2014 or 13 or something. It's really good. I'll send it to you after. Yeah. It just tickled my funny bone. Also, weirdly... I got a notification that there's a new Creedence Clearwater Revival live at Royal Albert Hall thing that's on Netflix, and they got Jeff Bridges to narrate it, which is fucking funny if you've seen The Big Lebowski, because his character, (laughs) Jeff Lebowski, the dude, hates the Eagles, loves Creedence. So anyway, sorry, Uh, that's just some (laughs) insight into my consumption from last night. Uh, Anyway, here's what I was going to say about what you were saying. On the one hand... In these songs, you're distinguishing between the other side and life. But then there's this curious moment in Scratch the Surface. Uh, You've got your peace and love. You've got your liquor and drugs. Liquor and drugs, peace and love, it feels the same. So I want to say two things about this in lieu of our conversation. One, I always appreciate your economy of language. I think maybe more than anyone else in Sloan, you're really good at this. You're good at taking a few words and making them work in a song. It's okay. not like a ton of different things, you know? It's just... I'm not... Yeah. I like the economy of, of that. I like that type of economy in songwriting as opposed to being frillier or, you know, even particularly smart, which some of the other guys in my band are very good at doing that. Yeah. And so I don't really want to compete with that. But I've always been like that. Anyway, thanks for saying so. No, but I notice it, and I I, I, I like it because it brings... Like, if I think of the Stooges song, No Fun, I think of how Iggy Pop used to... Like, No Fun, My Babe, No Fun. Like, that's the whole thing, and you're just like, it gets... It's been in my head since I first heard it, and it's just this little repetition of things. But anyway, in this context, on the one hand, you're distinguishing between what we see as reality and what you see and identify as the other side. Then you've got these yeah. these lyrics where you're like, it feels the same. Peace and love, liquor and drugs, it feels the same. That to me, it's, kind of the sa- it's very the interesting. Idea. That's an interesting way of being like, maybe nothing is really that different. Maybe things are more similar. Maybe we are all and things are more similar than we think. We think they're really different. So you see where I'm coming from with my master's thesis reading on uh, Patrick Penland's songs on Steady? Do you see where I'm coming from? I, a little bit. I mean, I... Um Peace and love, liquor and drugs feel same. Liquor and drugs feel same. Yeah, it's um. Well, liquor and drugs is taken from Iggy from um, Lust for Life. Yeah, from Iggy Pop. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. Which well, that's weird. That's weird that I pointed yeah. out Iggy and you saying this. I know. Yeah, there you go. Um, but the idea being like you know, I mean, I've I've dealt with substance issues and stuff, and and I know lots of people who have, and it's like that's why they do it is because they don't have peace and love either when they were growing up or now or whatever, and Mm. they need something to help them get through it. 
and and I do find again like having knowing people and having dealt with stuff that there's a massive amount of judgment and misinformation about people who are who have issues because and and of course nine times out of ten the issues are emotional issues as well as potentially chemical issues but you know these are damaged people and at the, you know not to rail against any but any industry or anything but like you take the the liquor industry the beer ads and stuff everything we do culturally is poured they pour tons of liquor all over everybody all the time yeah. but then if people people also turn to those things to help them and they're basically admonished and and kicked to the curb how many people do you see sleeping on the on on the street like those people weren't born on the street yeah they probably got kicked out yeah they had to get kicked out because they couldn't stay sober couldn't stay straight and then they just waste away and yet at the same time all around them are ads for happy with happy people with booze in their hand and it's just like you know there's just such a disconnect and again it's the same idea it's like you know your reality is i don't need that but some people's reality is i can't live without this and i'm being serious you know and no, so, no, absolutely. I mean, you're you're saying you, and I don't think you mean me, but yes, this is true. I don't, I don't deal with those things or whatever, and, right. and you yeah. you do, and you're relating those experiences and that addiction, I suppose, to the world. And I think part of the other side may be that distorted view of the world because of you know imbibing or smoking or whatever. You know what I mean? Like just getting lost well yeah well i think some people that's their that's the reality that they want Mm. and you only have one life and why do you have to be forced to live it the way that other people are living it you know what i mean like then you're gonna die and you didn't live the life that you wanted to live yeah and so there's a little bit of that going on i mean i feel like obviously that's a bit of a defeatist attitude but anyway yeah so the the song that and and even the first song from years ago the other side It all just sort of deals with that. I'm sure it's like some, it's a very basic concept, but um, but I like referring to it over and over again. I probably will. Well, I, I, beyond the economy of language, I appreciate how multi-layered your songs can be, Patrick, because these two, Spend the Day and Scratch the Surface, are among the catchiest, like most infectious songs, rockers on this record, and I really appreciate that. It's nice to delve into, I mean, it's nice on the one hand to delve into what they might be about, I, I say on the one hand because clearly there's some really dark undercurrents and some pain involved in in what's going on uh, within these songs and what you're getting to again in this really catchy way. Um, simply leaving, I think all the emotion and uh, it's, it's to me it's very clear th- that there's pain and mourning and and other such things on the song. Simply leaving. What can you tell us about what inspired that particular song? <laughs> um uh getting divorced for the second time mm. um and having you know having been in relationships and uh i mean it is a very it does come from a a, a true honest place and um it could be seen as melodramatic or too private or something but it's kind of what i do and you know you sort of journal i guess and i i think part of why it's so like people have reacted the way they have is is I mean the lyrics are potentially heartbreaking I guess but it's also like I did strings on it and I just really I didn't schmaltz it up but like we really wanted to make it just or we didn't even want to it just sort of naturally became the music I felt became an extension of my pain or my heartbreak 
in a way that I didn't expect. And, and it was hard to, or it, in the past, it would be hard for me to, to, to stop and to just let it be the way it is. And I did that with this. Like I could have added a lot more instrumentation or like a crazy guitar solo, which I didn't do. And I just felt like it was a, it kind of wrote itself or produced itself in a way. And, and it, as, and I, I just didn't like, you know, we've talked about, are we going to do that song live? Like, will you be able to do that song live every night? Because it's either I can't do it or I'll get angry and later. I'll be pissed off after the show. Yeah. Cause it'll just, you know, you know, it's an emotional thing. So, but a lot of my song, I mean, the song, it's basically loosens part two. Oh, and, right. And from twice. Of, well, loosens yeah. is about from twice. That's also, that's not about a marriage, but a relationship that at that time was a big deal for me. This is interesting so, to me that you're talking about it from this deeply personal perspective of a relationship because when I read the lyrics, and I'll read some of them out now just so for people who haven't heard the song yet. Now everybody's coming home tonight to celebrate you and your life, but I prefer to grieve in a way that we'd both believe. Like to me, that seems to be you mourning the loss. Well, of- that, sorry, that's a different, yeah. So the song is, the first part is about the relationship, and most of it is about relationship falling apart. That middle part is about it's about loss as well, but it's about a, a, one of my closest friends who passed away a long time ago oh, now. right. I'm sorry. And I had started to write... No, no. And I started to write a song years ago about that. And I, it just really fit with the sense of mourning and the sense of, you know, never being able to go back to where you were happiest with this person mm. because life happens or life ends. So, yeah, I was happy to get that in there as well. It's interesting but, that you um, say that it, it it could be a a sequel to Lucent's because there's a couple of songs on this record that seem to me to be catalog anomalies. And one of them is uh, I Dream of Sleep by Chris. It just sounds yeah. quite different from most Sloan songs in a way. And I think yeah. Jay and Chris, from my from what I've been able to gather and from what my ears are telling me, seem particularly immersed in kind of a mid '60s to experimental phases of of the Beatles, uh, but like really like Beatles for Sale, Help, Rubber Soul era more than Revolver or whatever mm-hmm. else. Anyway, in, in, but the, then I Dream of Sleep is maybe in that vein, but it could be something. It, it could yeah. be something else. Simply leaving to me in the sparseness of the production in your beautiful vocal. A heartfelt vocal, like you've done these before, but this also stands out to me. In fact, I will tell you, uh, Patrick, that Andrew Scott yep. Uh, yep. fought hard. He thought this should be the lead track on Steady. Well, he uh, he yeah. says it's his favorite I, song on the record. I, well, I, I've I've heard him say that, and I appreciate that. I I almost felt the same way, like not out of ego, but just like all of our records are kind of paced the same way. Yeah, and um, and usually what happens is. Is we put the first song? The first song is always supposed to be the no-brainer. It's like, of course, that's the single. And on this one, it's magical thinking. And they didn't Universal, who will be promoting it. They didn't pick that. They picked again one of uh, one of mine. Well, they was led with two, what? Sorry, two of mine. But yeah. Uh, but I and and even though this would be me, I was sort of thinking, like, put a, if this song is so emotionally powerful or whatever, put it first and see what happens. Yeah. And eventually, that didn't happen. So. It's sort of buried in the middle of the record, which I would imagine it's like it's the last song and the first side of first song. I don't know. Well, but, it's um, great. I mean, I just want to say for sequencing is always tricky, and you have to in a band with other people working on stuff. Yeah. You have to kind of listen to them, I guess, a little bit. But whatever the sequence, it does it. It stands out. So I, I just yeah, want to commend you on it. It is, and I appreciate how open you are 
uh, on all your songs, but this one in particular. Um, so I thank you for going through this uh, brief exercise uh, about your songs. Okay. I, I do. Now, you alluded to some of your contributions to other songs by other people. Um, you mentioned yeah. uh, magical thinking. Magical thinking. In terms of that, that part that I thought was a more... The little... It, you know what? I, I, I think it's a guitar, but it might be... I think it's just played up high, an acoustic. But, I wonder um, if it's augmented by something. It has a kind of warbly it might keyboard be. type feeling. Anyway, there's that, yeah, that's your contrib- That's one of your contributions. I mean, I'm singing... Yeah. He, he had me sing most of the song in harmony. And I think there's a couple of things where I like was like, why don't we try you know in this part I'll just sing a bit higher than your and that might have happened. But um, did you did I, you I come up with the bop bop buzz that you do? No, 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 that was okay. Me. But I'm singing. Yeah, no, it's clearly you. Um, I just want to say for the record uh, that I have long. I think I some of us may have taken it for granted, but I will also say that I have long appreciated the way your and Chris's voices work together. It's really beautiful. I've, yeah. I've gone through a couple of wormholes on YouTube where I found things that I'd never seen before. Uh, I, it started with me wanting to show my daughter the 500 Up video because I just always liked that video. Uh-huh. And that's a nice one because it's actually three people from Sloan, uh, you, Chris, and Andrew singing at various points. Um, mm-hmm. It's a little bit unusual mm-hmm. these days. Anyway, there's something about you two singing together that's really beautiful. Uh, oh, the other thing I saw... Uh, you guys were on the Rita McNeil show uh, doing uh, Everything yeah. You've Done Wrong, which I had never seen before in my life. I, I had pen pals when you were on there doing pen pals for the Twice Removed record. I had that. I taped that off the television onto VHS uh-huh. tape, which is somewhere in the basement now. I can, If you need it, Patrick, I can dig it up. But it's probably... I am I probably have it on VHS. <laughs> anyway, I, I'd never seen the Everything You've Done Wrong, and that was great. There's a horn section. Beautiful. Anyway, you guys... When you're not harmonizing, you also do call and response kind of singing. It always just sounds like you're brothers, and it, it really sounds great. Well, I think we do have a similar uh, cadence or something. And timbre, timbre is it? Yeah, a, maybe something like that. Maybe. Yeah, because yeah. also Gregory, who who plays keyboards live with us and contributes sometimes on the record. Or, or did yeah. on this one. He sings as well, and he matches in with us quite well, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, in terms of, it's funny you say that because we were driving back. Chris and I were the ones driving back from this gig on the weekend. You know, on the weekend, and yeah. he's a, potentially going to do this some Gord Downey tribute thing, oh. playing live. And so I was playing him a couple of songs, like early songs that I, I just anyway. But between Gord and Paul. Like those are really early songs, and they're just sort of singing together like harmony, but it's kind of harmony, and, and like their voices kind of match together, but they both have weird voices. Yes, just like a, yes, absolutely. It's but it's it's their thing, and like so, even though some people might cringe and go, "Oh my god," I know it as something different. I know it as, you know, it's 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 like endearing or something. Yeah, no, I like, like the way those two. Those are that's another like example of Paul's yeah. cigarette a half out of his mouth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, like that's the sound. It's that that like those early the the early stuff. Like, no, I I think that when we first got Sloan together, I was the singer in the band I was in before, and then Chris was singing uh, mainly lead in this in Sloan when we started, and it was just natural for the two of us to sing harmonies. And uh, had we not done that, you know, I don't know what, I don't think we would have made it out of the garage, basically, or whatever, out of Andrew's bedroom. Yeah. I think that that's always been a selling point. And, I, and you know, because I do write sort of hard rock songs or riffs anyway, but I like to balance it off with the harmonies and 
you know, make it tough, but also melodic. Yeah. So I, I appreciate that. I don't know if, I don't think I sing back up on Jay or Andrew's stuff. Well, there's something about, yeah, there's some, Chris often sings with Jay. Andrew kind of does his own thing with Gregory, maybe, I think. Uh, but, uh, I think, uh, yeah, for whatever reason and, and for good reasons, I would, I would say, uh, you and Chris often appear on each other's songs and it really wor- works yeah, really yeah. well. So I just wanted to, uh, highlight that. Well, for the record, we are in, at the moment sort of slowly learning these songs and I, like, uh, magical thinking, it's insanely fast to sing it. For yeah. us, and it it does it doesn't really flow like a story or anything. So it's really just random lines, and I can't remember any of it. And so, and I have to sing about eighty five percent of it. Can I um, can I can I recommend <laughs> two things to you? Yeah. Number one, I would uh, uh, look at the lyrics and write them out by hand a few right. times. Yeah. And number two. I think it was Questlove once said it, and I because I used to have to learn songs for a wedding band I was in, and I would often be saddled okay. with the raps because I liked rapping and I could okay. do it more or less. Anyway, Questlove uh-huh. has a thing where if you say a rap eight times, you will memorize it. And I don't know where he arrived at this figure or if there's some sort of, I don't know, uh, you know, some sort of physiological or neurological reason the way our memories work. But my advice to you, Patrick, is to write everything out that you have to memorize by hand and see if that helps. Because I say this yeah. to my son all the time when he's struggling to remember stuff. And, and my daughter, who because she's been left behind by the pandemic and we're trying to catch her up on her right. spelling yeah. and writing and reading. And so it's just constantly like, let's just work on this and figure out stuff. Anyway, so write the thing down a bunch. I would, Again, who am I to tell Patrick Penland how to do anything? No. I'm just a guy. But I just want to well, say that and then just repeating it to yourself over and over again, it'll you'll get it because well, rap, the other thing, I, yeah, the other go, thing, yeah. No, I know. Sorry, you go ahead. Rap. All I was going to say is, I have found that it, when I'm lost in a rap uh, on stage, it's it's not it's very hard to go back because I have mnemonically placed the songs in order. So if I miss a line, it actually screws my whole brain right. up. I'm sure you've had this with your own songs that aren't raps where you just like, right. shit, I didn't hit the thing I was supposed to hit and now I'm fucking now totally know. lost here. No, three, that was last night, three songs. Right. I did that. Right. I got lost three times. Yeah. And, um, but I knew those songs, they were songs I've been doing my whole life. As a memory, um, as a memory exercise, I would just, uh, even your own songs, I would maybe before a show, if you can think of it, fuck, I screwed that up last night. I'm going to just write them out from memory and see if I, if that helps. I, I would yeah. venture to guess you will see a slight memory improvement if you can. Yeah, yeah. I, I should do that. I mean, or I should listen to the song. But um, <laughs> Practice of some kind. I like the song a lot. <laughs> my problem, part of my problem is I can't remember lyrics anyway, like, you know, or even song titles, but like yeah. some of my favorite songs, I don't know the words to them. And if I start to play them on guitar, it's like, I, I kind of know how to play this, but I've known it my entire life and I love it. Yeah. And I don't, but part of that is because I'm, I don't. I was never like a songbook type guy. Like because as soon as I start to play guitar, I'm like try to learn a song or something. I'll just immediately come up with something else, mm. which is probably something like ADD or something where like I just can't focus on the song, but I can come up with all of my own stuff, and I enjoy that. And so I don't worry about it too much uh, usually. But then yeah, when it comes down to like, I'd love to be able to be at a party and just sing like. 
four or five do songs. Ever, uh, just, yeah. Do you ever sing songs to your your kids are older than mine? But do you have any young kids that you would sing bedtime songs to? Um, I mean, I have done. No, but you don't have it now because that's the thing that happens with me. I, I take a guitar up with my daughter and I just sing. I'll learn a new. It's often other. It's usually other people's songs, obviously. Uh, but well, for the most part. But I'll just uh, the, when I first get going, I'll forget things. But now I know like some very wordy Bob Dylan songs, and they're mm-hmm. just cold in my brain because I've just sung them every other night because that's yeah. my job. That's my that's my shift. Is every other night I read and sing to my daughter, and then I just through doing it every day could probably do a reasonably credibly performance of like <laughs> eight Bob Dylan songs because they're just in my head. And I've had people say like, how do you know, how can you know all of those words? And I, you know, because when they see whatever, and I go, I don't know, I just fucking do it a billion times and then I don't even, it's cold. Yeah. It's like a muscle memory thing. Well, that, right? I mean, that is the way it is for a lot of, like a lot of the songs I was messing up last night. It should be yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, no, I, 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 my, I have a um, a younger daughter, and so when she would be in the bath or whatever, like I would just grab a guitar and go up and play guitar. But I would normally play my own stuff, and at first I don't think she even noticed, and eventually she would just make me stop. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, if like you that's have the thing. Up- <laughs> like, listen, if you have kids and you're a professional musician who writes songs, and you sit down with a great idea, and you know, in the living room, and they're watching TV, and you just strum one note or one chord, they will walk up and start banging the guitar. Yes, or like want to play the guitar themselves. Like you just can't do anything with kids around. So, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> uh, you know, all I'm saying is, I, I again, who am I to say anything? I just want to suggest that uh, I no, think it I, is a uh, our brains fig- work well with repetition. Is all I'm getting. I'll, at, so. I'll figure it out. Yeah. What'll happen is I'll I'll have a music stand. I'll have the lyrics. We'll do the song three times live, and then we'll never do it again. So. Oh you know, yeah, how, that how could much effort too, do you want right? to put into the? <laughs> no, well, magical thinking is great. The whole I think the, these uh, these this album and these songs uh, to me are in the spirit more of one chord to another than uh, most Sloan records of recent uh, years. Particular, I mean, not just the fact that all the drums yeah. were recorded on a four track machine, which is a throwback yeah. to that way of doing things on one chord to another. Just has that it has that sequencing to me. Uh, again, there are to me there are some catalog anomalies that I. I find very exciting and interesting. So kudos to you guys and kudos to you, Patrick, on your contributions. They're really strong. Uh, just before I get to, I have one more thing to ask you about, but uh, quick plugs. If people yeah. want to follow you on socials or anything like that, you yourself, I mean, uh, I can link to them, but did you want to shout out uh, I, I mean, I'm on, I'm on Instagram, Patrick underscore from underscore Sloan, I think. Mm-hmm. And then I have a Patreon account um, for ten bucks a month. There's like demos and pictures and uh, essays, and I'm about to do. Uh, I'm, I had recorded a, a small podcast, and it got erased from my laptop. But I'm about to start oh. that again, and so there'll be podcasts. So anyway, that's Patreon. I'm just Patrick Pentland, I think. It's ten bucks okay. for the most, and it starts at like a buck. But um, and then. Uh, Twitter I'm on, but I don't do very much on it anymore. I find social media, I was very keen on it for a while, and I know it's a thing, uh, you know, sort of mm-hmm. necessarily e- necessary evil, but now the thing is TikTok, and it's like, you gotta put stuff up on TikTok. It's like, like what What are we going to put up? And so we have a, yeah. our friend Harris who shot our um, Scratch the Surface video. He, he's been trying to do that for us. Well, that's good. Yeah, I think... Yeah. Uh, I'm struggling with it too, but with uh, the four personalities you have, or the ones at least that tend to do this stuff, I'm sure you'll 
I'm sure you'll create uh, excellent content. Let me put it to you in a cold corporate way. Uh, well, and, I, mean, uh, I mean, even more corporate <laughs> is the fact that I stopped doing stuff on, on Twitter mainly because I'm doing it on Patreon. So I'm just trying to be, get people yeah. to pay to basically yes. look at my Twitter feed. Right. Um, I see. Know. Yeah. And the other thing I do, which I will just plug a little bit is, um, is that I, I do like greetings and birthday things and stuff, play songs for people on both Cameo and Memo. If oh, okay. you know what those are. So like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't do, I would love to do a lot more of them, but, um, you know, I'll just somebody, you know, they, you send in a few little tidbits of information about whoever the birthday, birthday person is. And then I'll pretend like I know who they are and then I'll play a bit of music and it's like, I don't know how much it costs, but not very much. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> okay, good. These were good plugs. I appreciate that. Now, here's the tricky thing. Uh, the end of this uh, giant episode featuring all four members of Sloan, I'm going to play some sort of song uh, based on uh, if every if more than so far everyone's picked a different song that I've talked to. Uh, if okay. there's consensus on any of them, then I'm going to play that. But if not, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Anyway, if you had to choose one song for this episode, it, like for one song in its entirety be played at the end of this episode patrick which one would you pick and why i mean i would maybe pick uh simply leaving because we talked about it a lot or yep. magical thinking is a good one like because you know i don't i mean that one features both chris and me singing it like a little bit like yeah underwhelm or something so you know that's a good one too okay let's uh for now what i'm gonna do uh is give people a snippet to get me to the next conversation uh so a little right. bit of magical thinking now and then maybe more later we'll see what happens uh, Patrick, it's always a great uh, pleasure to speak with you. Uh, you've been a, a a great figure and force in my life for low <laughs> these 30 years. I know that might be okay. weird to hear, but thank you for uh-huh. your work and for this time. And uh, I wish you all the best in your health and, and your future endeavors and all those sorts of things. And I hope we talk soon. Yeah, for sure. We will. Of course. If it feels right Hi, Chris. How you doing? Hey, Vish. Thanks for having us, or me, anyway. <laughs> the Royal We? Yeah, no, it's nice to have you all on the show. Uh, the, Royal you, we is a, the Royal We is a record, is a name for a record that I've wanted to use, but Jay is grossed out by it. He thinks it, it sounds like, you know, Wee Wee or Peeing or something. It's just, <laughs> I think The Royal We is a funny album title. I didn't realize, yeah, just so people understand Chris's idea was to, it's We, W-E-E. And that's why Jay is mortified. He's just like, no, I don't like it. No, I, I wouldn't think. spell it that way, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to have you here. Congratulations on another uh, brilliant record with Steady. Uh, I've, I've conveyed to you via uh, phone calls and, and text messages that uh, me and my family uh, love this record. Congratulations, first of all, Chris. I hope I hope you're very happy with it. Well, as with everything, I hope that other families love it as much as yours does. I appreciate uh, your kind words and uh, and the rave reviews from your family. <laughs> they, they really do. I, uh, Ramona keeps requesting, uh, is it, uh, I hope I get the title right, Dream It All Over Again? That's her jam. 
Loves that's it. A, that's as good as any. That's a great one. I like that one a lot. That's a J song. Yeah. So uh, those listening uh, understand the exercise. I'm talking to each member of Sloan. I'm going to begin by trying to ensure that I've identified your the songs you had the the heaviest hand in. Let's say the ones you spearheaded. So sure. let's let's get to those first of all, Chris. In my calculation, those songs are magical thinking, human nature. Nice work if you can get it, and I dream of sleep. Is that accurate? That's that's correct. You're four for four. You now, get to move on to the next level. <laughs> the question I hang had up, for Jay as soon as you as soon as you get a wrong answer, I'm hanging up. Please don't just the, use the and eh, just don't hang up. It doesn't just we'll take your ball and go home. You know what? The, I, I, that's that's a good idea. <laughs> so. Now uh, those are the primary things. And I just want to get to this. I think we'll. I think it's clarified uh, by Jay already because uh, I've spoken to him. Did you contribute lyrics to any of the parts uh, that you sing on other people's songs on this record, or were they their lyrics and you just did your thing? Yeah, I have contributed. Jay is the most of the four when we're collaborating. Jay is the most most open to like. Oh yeah. Well, sorry, Andrew's open as well, but. Uh, well, Patrick is the least open, I guess, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but Jay, sometimes, you know, I'll write a, a little bridge and he'll keep my words, but I think he likes to be the sole author for the most part, but he is, uh, he's a good, uh, he's good to collaborate and I can certainly put whatever bass part I want to, he's open to me just going nuts. Yeah. One of the reasons I, I asked this of you is because there's a really fun, uh, almost theatrical part in that song I was talking about, Dream It All Over Again, where uh, he's singing, if you wait a while, then we'll be back in style. But if you lose your thread, then the song kind of cuts out and you yeah, jump in with... Whenever hard to find. Yeah. It's a really meta part because I think it's, uh, and I established this with Jay, my observation is like, oh, this is a meta kind of song about being in a band, particularly maybe being in Sloan. And I, I love comedically knowing the band. I think it's almost comedic that you're the one coming in to sort right. of, you know, emphasize. We're never, you know, because I feel like you have those sentiments sometimes. You've, you've shared them in the past of just like, you know, contemplating relevance and fads and trends. And is that, is that a fair assessment? For sure. Mike Nelson, our manager character often makes fun of me for writing songs about the state of our career. He's like, no one cares, man. Like (laughs) write a song about that people can relate to. Nobody cares if you're fading into obscurity or whatever you're talking about. Like you're sad sack. Why, why can't we anyway? But uh, for sure, we're often talking, you know, even I think when we're talking about, relationships and love relationships or things that are easily universal you'd say oh that's about a relationship but i think sometimes it's about the relationships within the band and those kinds of things too yeah well that comes through and uh i want to get to that now i i feel like i have a handle on this because i know the band's history and process uh over the last 20 25 years Uh, but i'm going to ask you this question just to verify it um as you might imagine i speak to lots of people and i've talked to them about how they've managed to work uh collaboratively during a pandemic a lot of people have said yeah it's been really we barely get together uh in a practice space we have to kind of share files or blah 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 uh again i have some insight in this already is it fair to say sloan was custom built to work during a lockdown pandemic because you tend to work a little separately. Is that right? Yes. For us, the pandemic started in about 1993 <laughs> and we've been dealing, <laughs> dealing with it ever since. And this is just more of the same. Okay. Steady yeah. as she so, goes, as it were. 
<laughs> you should have patented this pandemic play instead pandemic. of parallel play. The album should have been called pandemic pandemic play. play that I, I mean, that would have been a fun self-referential <laughs> thing we could have done. This could have, this record could have been called that. I mean, we didn't. I mean, Andrew does went in a song mentioned wearing his mask, but I think like apart from that, I don't think we're really talking about the pandemic. Although it's a very it's totally made and recorded during the pandemic we had masks on most of the time and all that kind of stuff yeah yeah i was trying to get at that with uh some of your colleagues there in terms of whether these songs feel of a time of this time i should say not of a time but of this time uh i think you're right andrew's two contributions really do feel like they were born of someone uh grappling with the state of the world and isolation Patrick's songs, I think, are the same. Like uh, when he's singing about being alone in the city, uh, I think a lot of us experience those sort of feelings of just isolation. I think in his case, they're more personal than universal. Jay, of course, was like, I didn't really know. I'm not, of, it's not really of this time. Like it's, I mean, I tried to insinuate some things and, and, and suggest things that he didn't, like the song, uh, uh, shoot, sorry, I don't have all the titles in front of me. The last song on the record, Chris, is called... Yeah, it's called... Uh, I have to get to the chorus. Uh, keep Your Name Alive. Keep Your Name Alive, yeah. the, That's another, like, it's another sort of, like, meta, you know, keep your name out there kind of thing. I think of that as being about the band as well. Yeah, so where I went with it, in because I'm doing a master's thesis on the album Steady by Sloan for a <laughs> uh, university that yeah. uh, accepted this weird proposal, do you have to leave your home to keep your name alive? Like yep. that, I, I, when I brought that up, he's like, oh, I never thought of that. Because a lot of us have not, we've been managing to do things from our home. You guys, you and Jay and actually everyone in the band, I believe, has played I think that's solo. A, I hadn't thought of that. I think that's a fair observation. And I think that yeah. if he didn't admit it, I think that, you know, like uh, every good therapist, because I think that you're essentially a therapist here. Uh, yeah, I think that <laughs> did Jay, did he have a, did he, did he have, take a moment and say he was having a breakthrough? He's like, you know what? You're right. Or did he deny it? I don't want to pat myself on the back with this, but Jay did leave our session. Feeling better about himself <laughs> and got, got some clarity on where his songs went. He did. I, I'm, I'm being facetious, but he was like, huh, okay, I didn't even think of that. Like, I was talking about, uh, what's the other song? She put up with what she put down. I yes. was, he was like, oh, I, there was a kind of a fun story about a, 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 a critic in the 70s who, you know, didn't think that the work she was assessing was even that good, but had to deal with it. And then I got into like, well, isn't that a bit of a comment on the power of uh, music criticism these days you know how like certain websites can just make or break a band by just writing a number by their record sure. it's like oh yeah. hadn't really jay's like i didn't i think my thing is i have a negative bias and i went to <laughs> jay was like no it's just a fun little story you know it's of a of a time of the decade he really likes the 70s and i went well i don't know it feels to me like this person has a lot of power and they're recognizing that if you go through the lyrics. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to go on a tangent about Jay's songs. I no, think no, there I, were a few. Mo I really like Jay's songs. I think that I, I think that he has shared with me that as well. That, that you know, we don't normally get together and like curl up and talk about our lyrics and what they mean. And I've been on this podcast before talking in the with my other group, Tons, and, and we, we talked a lot about lyrics and. You know, and at the time, I remember thinking like, "This is kind of that's kind of the last thing that we talk about is lyrics." Like, we're really into yeah. like pop construction and harmonies and stuff like that. 
And it's like, what do you mean by this? I'm like, I don't know. I just needed to say something to make, to fill this void of lyrics. And anyway, we don't have to talk about tons, but yeah, yeah. He, he, Jay talked about that. And I think I, I, we should have come out now. I'm embarrassed that we didn't leave. Like, I think that that should have been almost like a selling point of the record. Like that is what that song is about. And it's, I think that's, I, I, I think that that's a, a really good point that you make. And I think whether he admits it or not, I think that's uh, a really good observation of a song written during that time yeah so i think there may be what we're where i'm coming from is i've been hunting more for holy shit the pandemic's fucked up kind of lyrics but i think where i'm coming from with jay i think he writes more of a time than maybe he realizes because you you can't help it you're of you're of this time as you're writing a song but i know he is unabashedly nostalgic and so he he reverts back to like these stories from 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 previous times. Anyway, sorry, this was not meant to be about Jay. I already had our session with Jay. Go uh, well, ahead, we can Chris. Ta- we can talk about Jay because I think a I think his songs are great and I think they've been they just get better and better. I think Jay was underrepresented on the first couple of records and I think now or you know since the '90s when we became a little bit more egalitarian with the sort of representation on records, I think that he's really kind of more than any of us are, you know, nobody wants to be most improved player because it sounds like you sucked in the first place or something like that. But I think that the latter half of our catalog, even when you look at Spotify, um, I think that Jay is the most represented guy in the band in in the time after we, we had real cultural relevance, you know, or arguable yeah. or in Canada or whatever, however uh, you would qualify that cultural re- relevance. But we've also, when you talk about being of a time, we really thought that Smeared was of a time, um, not that we were that was purposeful, but we were just essentially a My Bloody Valentine cover band that just lived in Halifax. It's like, what if we made music like that in our town? And then yeah. then we became we that record was heard outside of Halifax, and then it was kind of then we were all kind of red faces, like, well, this is kind of just like a rip off of something that was from four years ago. But and then it was like, well, let's make timeless rec- music. And so I think that you know I think that we've striven strove we aimed to make uh timeless music which in some ways cheapens your music in a way it's just like there's a people have nostalgia for smeared and it's like yeah that was of that time if you have nostalgia for navy blues our fourth record it'd be like yeah i really i remember i was in university but it doesn't really there's not they weren't part of a scene or anything it's not like there's tons of bands all over the world making ACDC, you know, slash Beatles. I don't know. We just thought that we were just in a vacuum, you know? And, and even, even now, like I, I suggested to Andrew that he's, that he changed it from I'm wearing my mask. I'm like, really? I'm wearing my mask. I I normally would never say anything to him. I think I said it in an email. I don't know if he said mind your own business, but you know, I got the impression that I was to mind my own business. He was just saying, I'm wearing my mask. Because well, this is what I'm but talking ma- ma- about. In theater, you know, I'm not a theater person. Uh, sorry, I hear I wear... I, there's been a few mask references in the lyrics that I've been processing over the past couple of years. And you realize that uh, when someone says, I'm wearing my mask... That's right. It doesn't have to be about... It doesn't have to be a face-covering mask, mask that's like right. we've been told. It, that's not an N95. It could be, I'm in disguise or I'm... You're not seeing the real me, like you know what I'm getting at. Again, fair enough. Master's it's, it's, thesis. I'm yep. working on this master's thesis. I think it's going well, um, but yeah, I haven't yet talked to Andrew. He might be like, "No, you're full of shit." It's literally an N95. Get I think it is, you. but I think it's nice to think that it does work both ways. And if you heard it 20 years from now, first of all, we'll probably all be wearing masks outside all the time, starting now. But who knows? But 
But, yes. uh, you know, I like to, do you know my joke that I say that we're not making music for, you know, I'm not making music for you. I'm making music for rock journalists in the future. Do you know this joke that I have? <laughs> I haven't heard you say that. Uh, no, I haven't um, heard you say that. That's funny. <laughs> so when I, I always think of like, what is a rock journalist in the future going to say about this record besides, you know, I wish I was there for back in their glory days and when they were making their 13th record now that they're on their 20th record and it's terrible. Or whatever. No, well, okay. I just want to again. This is a really great record. All hits, uh, no filler. I love the songs on it. Now, I identified your uh, what I said were your four songs. Yes. Uh, that you, four? Yes, four songs. Sorry, nice work. If you can get it, it's such a long title that it looks like five songs. Right. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, your songs there. Uh, before I want to ask you about each of them, okay. a little bit uh, in terms of their uh, where they kind of came from from your reckoning. Uh, but before I get to that. We were just talking about the kind of contemporary aspects of of some of your bandmates' songs. Do you have like an overarching sense of these these particular songs you wrote? Do you feel like they're of this time? Do any of them predate the pandemic? Because Jay was like, oh yeah, that song we started in 2015 and then Chris and I finally finished it. So that put a little bit of a a monkey wrench or whatever in my, ha-ha, you're writing about the pandemic. Anyway... Do you have an overarching we, sense of when these songs we were had, written, we where had, they might have come from? We had the song called Dream It All Over Again, Jay's song. We had that for our 12th record from 2018. That was, it, it was fairly recorded, but he just, I think he was really unhappy with his lyrics. And so uh, he sort of dredged up another song that he had called The Lion's Share for that record, which we never yeah, played live, that. which I like, but like I preferred Dream It All Over Again. Like I, I wanted it for then and I'm happy... I'm just as happy that we're doing it now and there was nothing wrong with the lion's share at the time. But I, I'm i ha- glad that he spent the time to make the lyrics a song that he wants to play live because, and I think, oh, and, now, and now it's, yeah. uh, now it'll, it will be a single and I think that it will be a, a cool uh, addition, you know, because sometimes I think of our singles as being, you know, um, Scratch the Surface is a Patrick song and it's a single and I think that it's great too. But I definitely reached a point where after we had The Good and Everyone, Money City Maniacs, Losing California, If It Feels Good, Do It, I really felt we were constantly being rewarded for the same trick, even though we had all kinds of variety within the band. And by the time, so we had those four singles in a row, and then we had The Other Man, which was different enough. I was like, oh, finally being recognized for something other than the sort of Nothing against any of those songs, all of which I like, but I just thought for someone who only knows us through our songs, which represents the people who know us in Canada, mostly know us through our singles, whereas in the States, mm-hmm. when we play to fewer people, but they listen to the whole record, so they're just they're excited to hear a Jay song, as opposed mm-hmm. to if we're playing to a big audience at the you know Calgary Stampede and they're yelling out for the Future Shop song or something. I was like, I don't think these people know that much about us. <laughs> yeah, right. But anyway, so yeah. I'll be happy. All that to say, like I was happy that Scratch the Surface got written, and I think it's great. And it's classic Patrick, and Patrick at his most vulnerable. He's also the most earnest of all of us, the most kind of on his... You know, Andrew, I think, is he's uh, cryptic and all that kind of stuff, but he's he'll talk about things, too. He'll be very direct at times. Jay is yeah. not as direct. You know, he's kind of like masking it, and I usually have some kind of joke within it, but I like to think that my songs are not without weight or whatever. I, I like to think that they're funny and scathing. My favorite combination of things, the sort of Ray, <laughs> Ray Davies funny and scathing at the same time. Um, yeah. Or, you know, I just like that, you know, Goodfellas, you know, yeah, harsh and hilarious at the same time. 
Right. It's just my favorite line to walk. But uh, all that to say, Dream It All Over Again, uh, Jay's song, um, it will be a welcome single to have. Or ho- hopefully it gets some legs and people know us through that song and then they'd be like, oh, they do this too or whatever. Yeah. Now, back to my question, though, about your own songs, Sorry. this batch of songs, are they of this time, would you say, or do they also stem from sessions in the past where you, you weren't quite, uh, as, as you say, Jay had a couple, I think he said, I think he said a couple that he was like, eh, um, they were from the past and he finally got them ready, but anything from you that... Well, all of the lyrics would be new. I I have a, you know, a voice memo collection of melodic ideas and chords you know, I've, uh, you know where I have like sixty song things, and then I'm just like, which do? What am I going to get close to writing lyrics for? So I would say that all of the lyrics are definitely since the last record came out. But you know, whether or not they were voice memos that existed before, I, I don't remember because I can't remember what's okay. what. But uh, the my magical thinking song, if you want to get specific, that's essentially. I do actually want to get very specific, and we might as well now? start. I want to go through each of the okay. songs. Yeah, let's. Sorry, <laughs> I didn't mean to interrupt you. Yeah, let's go through the songs. Magical thinking kicks off the record. It's wonderful. Uh, please, yeah, tell us more about it. I really, I thought magical thinking was so great. I thought it was kind of like, uh, you know, our first single was called Underwhelmed. It came out literally thirty years ago this year. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this record is coming out thirty years to the month after our smeared record and you know steady and smeared are kind of similar in name kind of thing but our first big hit was underwhelmed which was kind of like a wordy talky duet between patrick and me and i kind of thought this was kind of kind of like the same guys because it is the same four characters and it's patrick and i again doing this this duet uh, of a talky wordy kind of funny song i really was excited for magical thinking i thought that it was going to be a single i thought that people are going to love this but you know in the end you know the people who deal with radio i don't think they they didn't go nuts over it or anything so i'm fine because you know i make a quarter as you know we we split the money equal no matter what so that's supposed to be to keep us from fighting over who gets what song on the you know what becomes a single or whatever it's just your own ego But I had sort of thought, you know, of the songs that I've written in the past 10 years, even though I think that my songwriting stays strong or whatever, I thought, oh, this will be kind of like, could get played on rock radio or everything. But now that I think of it, it's like, it's three and a half minutes long. It's not, there's not really a chorus. There's kind of a chorus. Anyway. No, there's uh, a, no, there's, I think there's a, I think there's a really interesting chorus and I want to get to that. Um, I actually want to read you some of your own lyrics uh, here and to the people listening so we can uh, highlight them. Uh, now, I should Just before say, you do, I-, I thought it was a funny TikTok idea for me to read like from an old book, pretending I'm reading poetry, but just read my songs, but read them like a poem <laughs> and just with a straight okay. face. We can, this is I'm, some I'm allowing you to do that. I'm allowing you to do, do that right now. <laughs> so, so people know uh, the verses are interesting in this song because... Uh, there's this repeated uh, part of every or most of the verses. If it feels right, accept unblinking, make it real life, magical thinking. Then uh, one Christopher Murphy tends to do some rapping. The verses get very dense in that underwhelmed flavor that I like you were. To, I like to think. I like to think of kind of involving rock rap. It's my favorite. My favorite <laughs> genre. <laughs> yeah, it's the Goodfellas of music genres. I think that's fair to say. Now, let me say this. So, yeah, I'm not going to get to all the rapping parts. Which, by the way, 
uh, your old. friend and and my my associate Patrick Pentland is nervous about because he has to learn all of that backup stuff, and I think he's he's wary of that. Anyway, uh, that was know, a he'll weird... never learn it. And Gregory already knows it all. I'm just like, Ugh, do I have to just let Gregory do this? But uh, whatever, Gregory can do it fine. We just rehearsed it with him yesterday, and he knows it all. But I want it to be Patrick because that's to me the you point guys of have the band. such a beautiful uh, blending of voices. You always have you and Patrick in particular. Not to begrudge uh, Gregory, who's also wonderful, but I was anyway. I've already talked to them. I talked to Patrick about how my family and I went through a little... Well, at my behest, I was just in the living room, uh, and I had YouTube on the television, and I was just... I went through a Sloan wormhole, and just listening to you, Patrick, and Andrew also, sing uh, 500 Up. I watched the old 500 Up video for the first time in a while, which is a fun video, by the way, and uh, I enjoyed that. But you guys just have a very lovely uh, vocal blend. Enough uh, compliments. I want to keep. Well, this yeah. is all the whole thing's. This whole exercise is one giant compliment. Let's be. Let's be real. But anyway, yeah, let's I'm, get back I'm, to the I'm, lyrics. I'm glad it's audio only because you can just see my disgusting, self-satisfied smirk <laughs> the whole time. It's like, yeah. I feel like this song is a little bit internet-y, uh, or it talks about kind of these virtual lives we lead. If it feels right, accept unblinking. Make it real life. Magical thinking. Humankind is wired to find. Some meaning in this world reminds me of a dream that will come true. That, I thought, seemed to be about, like, this weird existence we have as these cyborgs who are like, oh, I got 500 likes. That makes me a good person. Oh, no one talks to me in real life. I guess I'm not a good person. Like, this, like, confusion. Then at the end of that little, there's a tag. I want it. I deserve it. So that kind of entitlement that we often see, I think, in real life, but a lot on the Internet uh, in terms of our platforms and whatnot anyway was the, is this internet oriented in any way magical thinking no and i should my wife may be able to overhear me she's in the next room but like it's a musically this is kind of my wife's song like it was on her voice memo and i just kind of stole it from her and oh. don't credit her but she gets everything when i die but <laughs> um which is coming up but uh, no, no, no! Don't kind, say that. Kind well, of, why? Kind of, you have to be bleak. What is this? An Andrew just, Scott I'm song? I'm just kidding. I, I, no, I'm just kidding. I'm going to live forever. <laughs> but um, it was kind of her idea, and I don't remember if if she called it magical thinking. When did you call it magical thinking? That song idea? No. But uh, but we talk about it. Rebecca and I, my wife, talk about people who kind of think about magical thinking and just sort of like people who are anti-science or like people who are just like, I'm going to will this to happen. Or it's like, we're, we're believers in science and we're, you know, it's, it's more, it's more about kind of like religious thinking and, and people who, um, you know, believe what they feel as opposed to believing what science tells them and that kind of thing. I see. Okay. So, so very much of the time probably given. I think so. But I also like that it, that the, the, your internet, uh, suggestion I think that uh, hopefully makes it even more universal you know I don't mean to sort of like pick on religious people all the time because I do I am quite atheist but uh, you know I mm-hmm. don't mean for that to be uh, that gets tiresome after a while I hear about me saying well when knock, you talk about conspiracy theorists where do they get most of their conspiracies now the internet so I feel yes. I think that's probably a fair assessment so I don't know yeah. I'm going to maintain I'll see if the professor docks me marks on this master's thesis but I feel like there's something to my theory that this is all connected to how we're living right now and, right. and how we process information. So speaking of humankind, the next song I want to ask you about is Human Nature. Um, well, Gregory, this... Gregory pointed out to me, he's like, you have two songs on this record where the first word of the chorus is human. 
And you just thought that was weird. But do that you was, know I, what that? Do you know I what that's about for yourself? Are you obsessed no. with the humans? No, I, I actually think humans kind of a gross word, or or not gross, <laughs> but just like you know, you know. Thank you to all the humans. Out there. I just think it's just kind of like this weird kind of modern polite word, you know, so that you don't have to say peep like men or what, whatever. Oh, whatever. I see. It's but yeah, uh, sorry, I, see. It's, it's, I don't mean to say that it's gross at all. But yeah, it was completely uh, happenstantial. Although as my therapist. As the closest thing I have to a therapist, I think it's interesting that that you, uh, whatever, are making the connection. Yeah. Uh, so where did this song come? I, I have a, this is a, another brilliant song. By the way, I believe Jay Ferguson told me this was his favorite song on the album, which oh, is if you a throw nice. A, if you throw a piano on something, Jay's like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> it's great. It's really lovely. Can you tell us where this sort of came from? It's just more kind of like Beatles worshipping uh, rock. I have two songs on, you know, again, Gregory had made the joke. He's like, this is Beatles 68 and your other song is Beatles 65. Like just <laughs> naming huge rubber soul yeah. help rubber soul stuff yeah. going on, uh, on a few, on Jay's songs and your songs in particular, I thought. But human, I human nature is about gossip or whatever. The idea of being talked about and like being paranoid that people are talking about you, but at the, and of course there's always got to be like a joke or a turn in my song. So it's like, and then the only thing worse than that is the idea that people are not talking about you at all. And I guess you could, you could apply that to the band as well. Like, it's like, Oh, I see. Why, why aren't people talking about us? But I don't really think it's about that, but like, I guess anything can be made to be about everything. So let me let me give the people listening a little bit of insight about the lyrics you're alluding to. Human nature, we want to make sure that we can figure out if we get talked about. Then later, you listen as they converse and steal yourself for the worst, but nobody mentioned you at all. And lo, your world was shattered. You did not matter amongst your peers. A blow that made you stronger so you no longer prick up your ears. This is that's, really that's fascinating, Chris. Like that's you're going through those that those emotional roller coaster, but you've come to the resolution that it doesn't actually like when you write you're, you did not matter, but later it made you stronger. You don't you don't care. You you eventually there's resolution in this. I it's really brilliant, if I may. It's a story. Sorry, I don't mean to make you uncomfortable. I know you no, like compliments, I, but are you are you kidding? It's my dream come true that anyone would like go through and see the time and the care that I put in because most people don't listen that okay. way. And so well, no, I, it's great. I, it's it's quite it's it's really well done. I think I made a mistake in one of our recent phone calls. I did compare this song in my mind. It reminded me a bit of autobiography from sure. the wonderful Sloan album, one chord to another. But I think I said to you that it was uh, because I thought of the puns uh, in that song. But what I actually I think I meant was sort of uh, half rhymes or rhyme scheme in that other in autobiography. You do interesting things where like ladder, lather, uh, and, right, and you yeah. just get kind of hypnotized by your rhyming. This one is another one where the rhyme scheme how you've connected the the narrative to a really interesting rhyme scheme to me anyway again some people are like he this isn't john k sampson uh you know they're not this isn't I'm better very than that guy I'm better. this isn't very lofty you know and this, i said but what i'm saying lofty. is i i think it's really brilliant uh stuff so i just want to say that and i also apologize because i think i misused i said puns when i think i'm do you know where i'm coming from it's not really punny it's just just an, an avalanche of interesting rhyme schemes. Does that make sense? 
Yes, and you you let me criticize John K. Sampson without laughing. Like I'm I'm just joking. By the way, you just you let I, that go I, by. I was trying to get us out of it uh, no, by I'm just, just ignoring that it even occurred. No, I love John. I'm just kidding. No, no, he's great. <laughs> but we work with Cam Lepke, who worked a lot with the weaker things, yeah. and I'm I'm always. Like I'm always, and you know, every time we get somewhere, we're we're playing a small club, and then he's always like, "Oh yeah, the weaker thens played the big place two nights," and I'm just, <laughs> and I'm so I'm always like, like taking them down because they clearly like had more, whatever played to more people and have a, had had a career in Europe and all these things. So I'm always kind of making fun of them, but but I just want anyone who overhears this joke to know that I don't I don't have anything against them. I'm just teasing. No, how could I'm you? Just, Very uh, John is also and, one of the nice, and nicest and kindest people I've actually met in this uh, sordid industry of ours. So, but here's here, uh, but this is, but here you go. But he, because he's the primary songwriter, so they get. He's known as this like lyricist or whatever. I don't know if if people think of Sloan as having great lyrics because maybe a lot of the singles are just kind of like not that interesting or something. But I'll just I'll just say like we have some some uh, even Patrick who uh, who I'm suggesting has the songs that have lyrics that are less interesting like Patrick can be quite good too uh, his lyrics I think that Sloan has interesting lyrics and I don't think people talk about it that much I've talked to you and Patrick about this regarding this record because it dawned on me that he does a thing that I appreciate which is uh, he employs a kind of economy of language. So he's not your lyrics on most of your songs, Chris, tend to be very uh, beyond a chorus. You don't really repeat yourself that much. Well, even the even the you, even the chorus, you know. like if you like in magical thinking, like the first chorus, if you call it that, is like humankind is wired to find, and then the next the next one is like I like to stay inside the realm already comprehended. It's like it's it's and you uh, change things more, Patrick. I think based on I think not simply uh, the fact that he wants to write economically. I think to from from my money, it's a little bit of a mnemonic thing for him. If the yes. less he has to remember, the the better sure. off he is. And, and it also, and you know what I mean? Don't rule out laziness. Uh, I don't. Just, you said I'm it. I'm not saying nothing. I don't want. I don't want this. Of course, I don't want to say joking. anything. I love all you guys, so I'm well, not getting in the midst. Of, I am well, in the middle of something right now, and I don't sorry. always. I just want to be like a nice. I like you guys. Uh, I'm coming to this from a place of love. Patrick's great. I think he, <laughs> I think he just, I think they, you have your own styles. Jay is also like wordy, I think. Andrew is wordy. You three are wordy. Yep. And I think you, you, the, the nice, uh, compliment to all that wordiness is, yeah, Patrick will just say, you got your peace and love. You got your liquor and drugs. Liquor and drugs, peace and love. What's <laughs> that? that? Well, the compliment to the, to, to the, all that wordiness are songs that get on the radio. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, maybe, guys. Patrick's onto something. That's all I'm getting at. Patrick but, uh, was Patrick was self conscious about Scratch the Surface. The first two verses are the exact same. He's like, when you're alone in the city, he sings, and then then the band kicks in, and he says the exact same verse. And he was yeah. kind of he was kind of like, oh, I got to say something different. And I was like, it's fine because it's it's like you say it, and then you say it in a higher register when the band comes in. Just leave it. It's fine. Yeah. So I yeah. No, he, I, I I I appreciate all that. I mean. God, you wrote a song once, and everyone uh, a, a song called "Coax Me," and everyone was flummoxed, as I recall. Cajole me? What's he saying? Mm. Coax me? Cajole me? Who says that? You know I, who I says remember. that? Do you know that story? That's what my dad would say <laughs> yes. when it was time I, to get up. 
Yeah. yeah. Don't yeah, so coke and control <laughs> you to get out of bed. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, all this to say, great lyrics on that one. Uh, speaking of uh, the meta stuff uh, about being in Sloan, we move on to nice work if you can get it. Yeah. Uh, this is an expression that people in the arts often hear from people who think we're, or you or me, whoever, are lazy, uh, whatchamacallits, you know? Yes. But this is a really, I, and I, I don't mean to get ahead of it because I want your take on it, but I, I think this is really an almost, uh, I don't know, it's a really meta song about what it's like to be in a band. Is that about right? Of course, yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry, did you want to add, did you want to do more guessing about it? Before I just tell you, I think it's pretty self-evident. I, it's basically I, just about. I did make some notes. I wrote here, and I wasn't planning to recite them. Meta stuff about being in a band and the less romantic aspects of the reality of the experience. Really nice arrangement here with an acoustic breakdown. This one feels really rubber solely to me. Again, I wasn't planning to read this aloud. I just had a note for myself. Uh, that's okay. Does any of that check out? Of course, yes. It's uh, that's my favorite music, and you know, Beatles, Rubber Soul, Revolver, and the single in between, which I don't, which is paperback, paperback writer, writer, and all those and, kinds of things are, and then in, in and the then here. And Day Tripper and stuff like that. It's essentially kind day of a tripper, Day Tripper yes. kind of riff. Yes, yeah, and uh, yeah, it's about uh, being in a in a band, and like, why do we why do we bother going to Texas? To, to lose money but uh anyway it's just kind of a, a sort of silly song about being in the band but it uh, kind of also I, I like, it gives like me like a monkey's feel too i know i'm expected to go all for one for the show am i am i going to regret it either way the ship is sailing today and i hear what they say nice work if you can get it sorry i picture like a monkeys or beetles cartoon where the, everything's being depicted and you're all piling in the van and you know I, it's like i just picture that like this is what it's like, you know, because right. I think of the monkeys in terms of the, having that TV show as being like a really meta commentary on band culture. Um, I'm not you, saying anything groundbreaking here. Oh, I, I, this doesn't remind me of the monkeys per se. In fact, I will put this out there, and I don't mean to be controversial, uh, because as you know, Chris, I'm a huge Tons fan. Yes. There are a couple of instances on this record where I'm like, you know, these could be Tons songs. Like Chris could have, I could see, honestly, magical thinking. Again, this is really weird because... How do you separate these things? Notice, though, I'm not saying this could be one of uh, these could be songs from Chris's other bands because right. you're in a few right now. For some reason, I got I'm like, yeah, if this were on a tons record, these two songs in particular, I wouldn't bat an eye. This makes that would make sense. So just the, quickly, listener, yeah. my tons band is a band with uh, my guys from my vintage Matt Murphy and Mike O'Neill. But the thing that went in that, you know, I've always poo pooed side projects and now I'm in like five of them. But uh, with tons, I think I told you before, Vish, that we just make songs up on the spot. So I'll play yeah. a drum beat. I'll say, I'm going to play Everybody Wants to Rule the World. And you guys make up some chords and then we just smash songs together like that. Where And it, so it doesn't it doesn't dip into my cache of, yeah. of uh, voice memos on my phone that I have for Sloan. But... Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what makes a song on this record like tons as opposed to a song on other records. I, to me, to me, they're all kind of variations on the same thing, and that goes for any song with Sloan. I'm like any song on this record could have been on one chord to another or Navy Blues or Between the Bridges. Yeah. Or for me, there it's it. I, it's not like, like finally we can make our our synth record or whatever. They're all the palette has been kind of established. I think we were adding to it a little bit as we went record three, record four into record five, I think by the time we got to Between the Bridges, I don't think that we've really really added anything except for live now with, with Gregory, we can kind of pull them off a little more than we could in the 90s. 
Yeah. But um, uh, yeah, I don't know if what the thing is about tons that you think that it has the quality it has. I don't know if it's like a sort of like a youthfulness or a fun, like a fun quality that Sloan kind of doesn't have as much anymore. This is a thing days. that I hear in my head uh, because I spend so much. So I'm spending time with Steady uh, and uh, it's new to me. But I, as you would know, Chris, like I just listen over and over to those tons records, particularly the last one duly noted was just playing in the house a lot. And uh, so I can't help but hear a little continuity. This is just me. Like I bet no one else will hear it. But I do think also when I think of magical thinking and the beat, to me, that's something you would do in that other band as opposed to Andrew. I could see flailing about more fills more fills and stuff and the the songs i'm referencing to in my memory right now yeah i'm i wonder what it's going to be like to see him play them because there's not a ton of fills as That's i recall true. they're they're pretty consistent which is a tons thing too you tend to it's great drumming i love it and i and i know the stories you've told about how you actually are uh you know trying to take inspiration pay homage yeah. to the great drum beats of the times yeah and and then say well, hey you two i'm playing Tears for like, Fears. Here's, you guys here's do. a drum beat I can do. What can you well, guys no, no, do? No, no, no. I know you're capable of that flashiness too. Don't get me wrong. But Andrew, the last couple times I saw Sloan, and I, as you know, I've been seeing the band for almost 30 years. It only really, I'm like, holy shit, he's just filling the whole time. Like he's just, the beat starts, but he often is just like going nuts. And it's great. Yep. It's really entertaining. He's the best. All I'm getting at is some of the songs on, on this record, particularly the ones I've identified. Again, I, this I don't mean to cause problems or make controversy. But in my head, I'm like, yeah, this sounds like something that would be more in the tons vein because it's consistent. It's not that, it's not super flashy. It's giving everyone else room to play. Uh, sorry, that not, that wasn't meant to be disparaging either. I just mean... <laughs> I, I, I can't even really interpret anything you're saying as negative. It's all kind of like yeah. positive to me. Like I I invite you yeah. to be ne- uh, not negative. Uh, critical? Critical, yeah, yeah, go ahead. I mean, I, I I'm think... I'm not cr- though, I, I love them. I'm just saying yeah. this is where, again, it's just my context. If, if someone hasn't listened to tons, they're not going to th- think these things, but I've yeah, just exactly. been immersed... Yeah. As you know, in particular, yep. in that world. And then this is the next thing, really. Yep. Uh, and so I'm like, oh, yeah. And and you're the com- you're a common denominator, obviously. So yeah. I'm. I, it's just my music nerd brain is like, oh, yeah, I can see this is a if it's 2022. That last record came out last. It makes sense. This makes sense that this is where Chris's head is at right now. You know, that's all I'm getting at. Yeah. Yeah. No. OK. I, I take it all. I like it. It's great. OK. I, I didn't mean to go on and on now. Another beautiful song, uh, your last lead vocal, if you will, I Dream of Sleep. Uh, I thought of this song this morning as I was awoken for no reason at like (laughs) 5.45 a.m. Just lying there. This keeps happening to me now. I don't know why. Wonderful song. uh, As Oh, my God. Before you tell me about it, because I think it's another obvious one, I just want to tell you how much I like... uh, so for those who haven't heard it yet, the chorus ostensibly is midnight and I'm wide awake, one, two, and I'm wide awake, three, four, and I'm wide awake, five o'clock, I'm wide awake. Again, this happened to me today. Then there's a lyric here, and all too soon, sun reappears. My obligations reach my ears. Holy dad rock. That to me, I'm like, that's, that's oh yeah, those people and yeah. that life outside of this bed, those are my obligations. Sorry, man, I just really related to that. Of course, and I don't want to dis- I don't want to discount. I dream of sleep. I should be tired. I want to see the Sandman fired. That's <laughs> fucking great too. Sorry, man. These are just fun. This is a fun 
song that I relate to as a dad. <laughs> Where were you coming from with this one? Well, I don't know. My wife is a sleep consultant, so it's almost hmm. like it's almost like uh, it almost makes it look like her magic doesn't work on me or something. But <laughs> you know, I, I'm not. You know, I have had nights for sure, especially. It's mostly for me is when I'm on tour. You know, if we're out west and I'm going to bed at, you know, literally going to bed at six in the morning Pacific time. You know, because I'm on a bus or something, and then I come home and I'm supposed to get up at six in the morning it's just i'm just completely backwards yeah so i have i have suffered that way but uh but when i'm when i'm home for an extended period of time i don't i don't really have sleep trouble that way but uh but as you say it is it is a classic just like dad rock joke it's like you know um, my obligations reach my ears i think that's a funny line too oh it's amazing and i again now we're getting into in this arrangement i almost it feels like an anomaly in the catalog it's almost like a beatles for sale that cusp of clean and dirty for that band, uh, you know, getting a little more distorted. Uh, obviously, Sloan has traversed all of these sort of domains, but I really love. And uh, and again, I don't mean to make this uh, a compliment fest. Tremendously great vocal uh, take, and it's really it's it's really high in the mix as well. I, I, it's just a lovely one, and it's I just think it's like a out of nowhere. It's like this breath of fresh air. I was not expecting this kind of song right now. So all I want to say. Kudos, and uh, is it's that a, I hope a, that's okay that I say these things. Yeah, yeah, no, that song is a bit simplistic. Like I almost am embarrassed of how simple it is. Like there's no real trick to the song. Like it's not, it doesn't do a musical trick, or it's just very straightforward. I mean, there are kind of some jokes in the lyrics or whatever. But yeah. sometimes I think that when I when I make music, like my if we if we are if it's equal and it's a twelve song record and I write three songs. I sometimes think that I write one for Patrick, one for Jay, and one for Andrew. Like to me, this is kind of a song for Andrew, just kind of like country rock. And oh, then, interesting. You know, magical thinking is for Patrick, and then you know maybe human nature is for Jay. Like just kind of like, like and it's like I can kind of I can do versions of of all of them, sort of thing. What's my fourth? Do you song? mean you do you what? mean you write songs for each of them in terms of what they're going to contribute to them in the end, or do you mean well, you write like, them in the style that make, they like? In their style, sort of to make all yeah. of the styles make all their sort of disparate styles make sense together. You know, it's like Patrick. If you if you didn't have me, you have Patrick and Andrew on the same record. It's like, how do these guys know each other? But like, but it's my songs that sort of uh, are the sort of glue. Sometimes, like the you know the, the sort of the the lukewarm water between the fire and ice, as uh, Harry Shearer <laughs> said in Spinal Tap. Yeah. <laughs> that is super fascinating. How long have you been employing that kind of philosophy about? coming to the records this way well i I've, i have said i've joked before that each of those guys has a really distinct flavor and then my flavor is essentially like a flavorless tofu that takes on the flavor of those guys which is i'm i'm that's selling myself selling myself short but uh yeah. but yeah. but i do think sometimes it's my my whatever certain i don't mean to say that i feel that responsibility but from my vantage point i really enjoy what all three of them do i would yeah. say that of the four of us, I have the best vantage point. I don't think necessarily everybody shares the same equal love for everybody else's oeuvre, oeuvre. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. So from where I'm sitting, I'm in the perfect band because I love hard rock and I like, you know, I don't love Dylan and that kind of stuff that Andrew kind of loves, but like I like his sort of spacey out there cerebral stuff. Sorry, every, I don't. Yeah. I don't mean to suggest that the guys in the band don't like each other's songs, but I know that I can't speak on their behalf. But certainly, from where I'm sitting, I'm, I feel like I'm looking at a spectrum of music that 
I like every part of it and I think that I can contribute to every part of it. Like I can, I can contribute this rock thing to this thing. I contribute this weird harmony that Andrew makes me sing on this other crazy song that he's done. And Jay just basically lets me sing the bridge or whatever. It was like, then it gets really high here. Can you do that part? And I was like, great. Yeah. I know that the band is perceived as a democracy. It has been for some time, but I also, from my own understanding, know that you were in certainly in the early days, and I think now still in lots of ways are like the band leader, and or if that's too loaded, the band coordinator. And mm-hmm. I think that's I don't know that you can correct me if I'm wrong on that in terms of like, hey guys, we got to do a thing, let's get together. I feel like that's you. I appreciate your if that is true. Regardless if that's true, I appreciate your diplomacy. Uh, I can't be easy uh, to manage. I know this as being from being in bands and trying to organize people. And um, it's never easy, particularly if you have any disparate personalities. Uh, it's commendable, uh, if I might say, uh, what you're describing in terms of how you approach uh, the band from that. Uh, those 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 uh, vantage points of empathy but also like this is a collaborative project that I want to see keep going. How do I make it work? Well, I'll be this bridge. It's not easy work, Chris. So I just, for what it's worth, I don't know why this is not meant to be a managerial therapy section session <laughs> or, or a session or whatever, or webinar. But I just want to say from my vantage point, I appreciate what you're doing. It's working. Like it clearly worked on this record. I know it may not be as rosy inside sometimes, but Thank you. Thank you for your role. That's a, that's a, that's a nice work if you can get it. It's like, yeah, it can be, there's lots of BS, but like, you know, my dream was to be in, at the end of the day, a lot of my job is like, what would my favorite band do if I, you know, and so I basically just, I'm approaching it as a fan of music. It's like this, I, I, I get to do most of the things that my favorite band would do. You know, I can't control the interest of, of, of the four guys and there are, you know a, a variety of levels of interest in the band um, yeah. but you know i i would put out a record every two years you know it's but it's just it's hard to wrangle at this point and and the solution we've come up with is we do like a reissue record and then a new record so you yeah. don't have to write as much but we can still play shows and that kind of thing so and and jay and i get to do that and jay and i work really well together and i should say of magical thinking you know sometimes we bring in songs that are essentially like here's how it goes guys or i played all the guitars guys you know learn this but with magical thinking patrick was singing with me and you know i I made him sing all that stuff that he's never going to be able to remember but that there's a little part i don't know how to describe it like there's a like ding 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 like this little bing bong thing that happens this little hook or, or whatever but that was Patrick. Patrick said, "Why don't you just do this?" And he just like came up with it. And I was like, "That's great!" And then like, on the on the key on the synth is, is that yeah? I think it's to? played. I think yeah. I think it's played on a Glockenspiel and and a oh, keyboard of some kind. Yeah, a Wurlitzer or something. But like that's oh, pa- nice. that's Patrick's little addition. I was like, "This is th- this makes it great." Like that's I didn't have that, you know. And he came up with that, yeah. and I was like, "Whatever." It just points to the fact that we should be collaborating more and taking more time. It just takes more time, you know. We just yeah. do it as kind of. Ex- the most expedient way most of the time it's like i could get you to learn the guitar part and play it but i can play it and then you just learn it later but um whatever that that was a romantic thing that happened where he came in and and figured that out and i would i would suggest i think like on dream it all over again 
there was a middle part. It's like, ooh, when they call your name out, when they call your name out. I think that that's my part for Jason. He's like, oh, yeah, that's great. I'm going to do that. It's like he's really open like that. So I and, and I did. I wrote to Andrew, actually, after this record was finished um, and said, you know, I would like to get together and let's go into a studio and just record jams for a couple of days in a row. Like it's just like if we have a fun jam, it's more like the tons model. It's like if we have a cool mm-hmm. idea, like a like a voicemail idea before I even have the lyrics, we'll record six minutes of it. And then we'll cut it down to a, a two minute, two and a half minute song. But like, I bet if we just go in for three days and do that, we'll have 10 years of songs we can mine from that. So even if it gets harder and harder to get together, we'll at least have these found musical foundations to sort of whatever, do, do things in the future. Build upon. Yeah. Well, no, that's great. That's really lovely to hear. And I appreciate you. I was going to ask about uh, sort of mutual uh, highlights from uh, uh, that you had about being on other people's songs or what they contributed to yours, you cited two there. So that solves that. So thank you. I was asking everyone that kind of question. So I appreciate that. Chris, I'm mindful of the time and I want to thank you for all this time. Um, this is a quizzical part of the show. Uh, for those listening, I'm not exactly sure what order everyone's going to appear on uh, uh, this episode. And as it stands, my plan, I'm being very meta here. My plan is to release this one giant episode with all four members of Sloan. That's the plan. So uh, at the end of it, I want to throw to one entire new song from Steady. And uh, I've asked each member uh, to pick one. And I'm going to base the result uh, on a basically democracy, if you will. Whoever, whatever song gets the most votes. Chris, if you could pick one song from Steady to go out on right now, what would you pick and why? Oh, my gosh. I guess I'll say Dream It All Over Again because it's not my song. So it's my fifth favorite song. That's a joke. <laughs> Uh, but it's a, it's a, it's going to be a single and it's a J song. And I just, am always happy when I, I don't mean to say that I'm happy when it's not a Patrick song, but I like when the variety within the band is highlighted to those outside of just the people who know all of our songs. And then I yeah. just think it makes it look like a richer palette from which we bring these songs or whatever to yeah. pe- people who don't know all about us. That's great. Okay, well, let's, again, we'll see what happens in the end. I may have to do a disclaimer at the end to explain what song was played. Chris <laughs> has chosen Dream It All Over Again. This is a wonder. This is my daughter's favorite song. It's one of my favorite songs on the record. Uh, I love it so much. So this is uh, Dream It All Over Again, maybe. No, sorry. We'll see at the end. I don't know when right. this is happening. Yeah, don't, if you're, don't whatever. I, this me. is confusing for me, and normally it's very simple. You may hear... Dream it all over again by Sloan on this episode. If not, this if if not, <laughs> check out uh, the whole album steady because it's w- more than worth your while. It's wonderful, uh, Chris. Uh, thank you so much. Oh, sorry. Plugs SloanMusic.com, I think is the website. Is that correct? I think so. Better be. <laughs> I, I think that's right. If not, I'll link it and all this stuff. Right. People, if you do, you want people to follow you on social media? Sure. My name on on Instagram is Sloan Dude, which is what people who don't know me call me. <laughs> okay. All right. There we go. Dream it all over again, possibly, is on the show. Chris Murphy, uh, always an honor and a pleasure that you give me any time at all. It's uh, always meant the world to me in my entire life, most of it, uh, since I've known you. Thank you for <laughs> and all I your, thank you so much. Thank you for all your kind words and over-validation. 
uh, and and taking uh, seriously things uh, lyrically and show that highlight the the time and care that we put into this thing. What you gonna do if they call your name out? Raise your hand, the beat to the band in two. First of all, thank you. If you've listened this far into this epic episode, it's lo- it's a long one for the show. Thank you. Thanks again to Jay Ferguson and Patrick Pentland and Andrew Scott and Chris Murphy, who appeared on this show. Not in that order, I just realized as I said that, but that's okay. You you just went through it. You know who was who was who. <laughs> I want to thank all the members of Sloan for appearing on this, the 725th episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Entertainment One Podcast Network and is available just about wherever you get your podcasts. If you can't find an episode that you've heard about and you're looking for it, or if you want to learn more about me and sign up for my monthly newsletter, 
please visit vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook. You can follow the show on Twitter at vishcreative, or you can follow me directly on Twitter and on Instagram at vishkana. Also, please visit patreon.com slash creative control to make a flexible monthly financial contribution to sustain the show. That's the major source of revenue. It's the one I feel the least icky about, that's for sure, because it comes directly from you, the listeners, supporting something you like, I hope. So thank you to all of you who do this. It's a modest patron in some ways, but uh, it's just very gratifying and helpful and uh, hopeful. I This is all I really love to do with my life, you know? I like doing this thing, but uh, eh, got kids to raise and all that sort of stuff. Anyway, $6 or more a month grants you access to exclusive content Uh, you get the episodes early and uh, I rifle through some of my audio archives and I put stuff up that uh, uh, has either been lost uh, to time or just never ever aired in any capacity you'll see if you you donate at the $6 level now you don't have to do $6 you can do less than that you can do more than that and you can change whatever your amount is at any point and so yeah I hope you'll consider doing that And if you're interested in receiving a Creative Control t-shirt, just message me on Patreon and I'll get you one while supplies last. Again, patreon.com slash creative control. Thanks again to the excellent Alberta record retailer Blackbird Music, which you can learn more about and order things at their website there, blackbird.ca. Also, thanks to Pizza Trocadero, the bookshelf and Planet Bean Coffee, respectively, in Guelph, Ontario, and Granddad's Donuts in Hamilton, Ontario, for their in-kind support for this show. As always, thanks to my dear old friend Jim Guthrie for letting me use some music of his on this show. You can learn more about Jim and his wonderful world of music at jimguthrie.org. And finally, again, thank you so much for listening to this episode with everyone from Sloan. I hope you check out Steady and go see the band, and uh, I hope you subscribe to this podcast or follow it and tell your friends all about it, Uh, not just this episode, but maybe the show. That helps spread the word. And that is it. I hope you're well. I will talk to you very soon. Bye for now. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.